Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken with uh, with you as always, alongside my good friend and co-host, Mr. Travis Krenz. Travis, how are you? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. I don't know why, but it always, whenever we start the deal here, I always, it always breaks up. Oh. And then about five, ten seconds, we're good to go. Oh. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's working now. Um... Yeah. We're you good. S- we have a, a, a winter preview tomorrow. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes. Preview of the winter season. Yep. And not the winter meetings, not the baseball winter meetings, but the Football. winter season. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? If I was in Fargo, we'd be getting, you know, maybe six to a, inches to a foot of snow. Grand Forks, about I two know. feet. Uh, no, St. Cloud's going to get just a bunch of rain and maybe some snow showers on Friday and Saturday. But uh, it's... Uh, we're going to escape the wrath of the storm. Move south to those warmer climates. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, I mean, South Dakota is going to get hit hard. North Dakota is going to get hit, hit hard. The central and western parts of of South Dakota more so, and uh, the eastern and central portions of North Dakota in particular. Yeah, Rapid City, Peter, Aberdeen, looks like they get anywhere from 6 to 12 inches. So, uh, Mitchell, we're just going to get some rain and wind and cold here. It's going to be only 30 degrees cooler than average. And uh, the wind and the temperature might be the same, around 30 degrees for overnight lows. So, it's going to be cold. It's going to suck. Sturgis is supposed to drive to Mitchell to play a football game Friday. It'll probably happen, but... um, Weather's not going to be great. It's going to be cold. Yep. Uh, well, it, it's just a preview of the winter season. Just prepare for a long winter ahead of us, right? Yes. Uh, That's what everybody's saying. Everybody's saying this is going to be a bad one, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Speaking of uh, storm, uh, the New York Yankees stormed into Minnesota and promptly swept the Twins. Um, Sweet. It was... It was not good. Uh, after the Twins got out to a two nothing lead in uh, in Game One, they promptly got outscored twenty three to four, I believe, if my math is correct, or twenty three to five. It was either way. It was not good. Uh, the bats fell up, fell asleep, and I mean, just the the pitching. We knew it was going to be a struggle, and it was. Uh, the Twins now have the have tied for the longest postseason consecutive games lost uh, at 16. They've done that now with the they've tied the the Chicago Blackhawks of the 1970s. Uh, 13 of those losses have come to the New York Yankees. So obviously it doesn't matter if the Twins uh, didn't have players on those teams from you know the the mid 2000s and. 2010 and everything because they still suck when they have to play the Yankees in the postseason. Uh, the Yankees are the Twins' boogeyman. Oh, it might be different. They all the home runs. Uh, it wasn't different. It wasn't different at all. Every game you ever saw. So, so there's that. I mean, they had, they had an unbelievable season. So it's bad, and it was... Yep. It was great. It was, it was fun, and then, you know, all these Yankee games happening. So, so. Um, I thought game, game one, um, game one, we're tied at three in the bottom of the fifth. 
And uh, Brios kind of struggled first three innings. Uh, got out of it though with, uh, with the game still in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have even taken him out in the third inning, and that was then he just didn't seem to have it. But they bring him out in the fourth and does does fine. One, two, three inning, and he's you know 80, 88 pitches or so. And you're like, well, fourth inning was good. How about a fifth inning? And now there wasn't there wasn't a fifth inning for Brios and. All right, your first guy out of your bullpen's got to be your best pitcher. Who's your best pitcher stacking? Uh, would probably be Taylor Rogers or Sergio Romo. Sure as hell isn't Zach Patel. That's who they brought in. <laughs> yeah. They never got any closer. I'll always remember game one. I will always remember that decision. But it was so, such a poorly managed game. I love the manager. Was, I thought it was so poorly managed. Mm-hmm. Treated it like a regular season game. Um, Rodgers would have been number one. Duffy would have been number two. Romo would have been fine. Even Trevor McNeil, I'm not crazy about, would have been better. Yep. To bring in Zach Littell, Zach Littell had a great year. Uh, he might be involved next year, too, as, as uh, part of the bullpen. But this wasn't the spot. you got to use your best guy. And Taylor Rodgers had to come into that game. Mm-hmm. He had to give you a couple of innings. Probably doesn't change uh, the results of the series, but you got to give yourself a chance. Yep. You got to use your best guys. And then with uh, Latell, a couple guys get on. Uh, Duffy comes in, cleans up the mess, still gets a chance, gives up a couple with those Latell's runs. It's 5 to 3. Snow hits one out, it's 5 4. It's all right, 5 4, 6 day, and this is, still, uh, this is still a winnable game. Yep. Who do we bring in? Stashek. He would be, if I'm ranking the bullpen guys, he would have been uh, the last one besides Gibson in my rankings. Mm-hmm. So you bring in your fifth best guy and your sixth or seventh best guy. Those are your two or your first three in the bullpen. Um, so that was very frustrating. Uh, that was very frustrating that those two guys were among the first out of the bullpen. They could have written the wrong if they would have brought in Rodgers in the sixth inning, but they didn't. And they never got closer than that first game, 3-3 in the fifth. They, they never got closer than that. They were well, they, they were down by, what, the second inning in both the next two games. Mm-hmm. Ever closer, so that was, the, that was the most disappointing thing about it. And I thought, I thought he managed the bullpen perfectly in game uh, game three, Odorizzi five innings. Uh, Odorizzi pitched great. Yep. Um, could have even done a, an, another inning of Odorizzi. Yep. But uh, Rogers was the first one out. I think that's that's the perfect call. Gave up one run. Bring Romo in, which I liked as well. Yep. He, yeah, he gave up a couple, and um, he ended with Trevor May. So game three, I thought, thought was fine, but I thought that the series series was kind of decided there and. In the fifth inning of game one. Yep. And it's all about, oh, this is my first postseason, and you learn from this. It's like this isn't this isn't any different than any other situation. Yep. You, you use your best guys. If I can watch these games and think, you use your best pitcher here in the fifth inning, I, he's seen more baseball than I have, Mark Ball Deli. This doesn't appear to be a difficult decision, but um, so that's the most frustrating part about it that, our best guys weren't used. Yep. So. Yeah, because it's like, what are you waiting for? I mean, you you this you have no tomorrow. 
Um, like, like if the Seahawks, because you you know, you start Dobnak in game two and that. And I don't have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem with that. But whatever game he was going to start probably wasn't going to go well. Right. And it did. It was was the worst game in the series. So you you do that, and you're like, well, you pitch Rodgers in game one because you you try to win that game. You don't know what game he was going to bring. He may be down 4-0 in the first inning, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that far off of that. They were down 8-0 in the the third. My game was done. And then it's just uh, bullpen junk after that. Even Kyle Gibson, for Christ's sake, pitched in uh, the first first game. They're down seven to four. So I guess things are slipping away. You bring in you bring in Gibson, and then the game was really he was the human white flag. So yeah. just some terrible, terrible managerial yeah. decisions uh, with the pitching. Uh, the- Game three, you and Marcus uh, Traxler were at this game. Uh, give me a. Eamon was there too. Drew Allen. Really? Wow. Uh, he, made, he, made the, he made the flight to Denver to watch this goddamn game. What? Uh, give me a. Give me a sense of the energy in the in the stadium there. I mean, you could sense it on TV, but it must have been surreal in the stadium. It was good. Yeah, I didn't see the game. Um, yeah, a lot of everyone before excited. Homer Yankees. Uh, 41,000, I guess, was there. So, there, I mean, there were some empty seats, but it was a big crowd. Never seen the Yankees. Never went to a playoff game, so I got that done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they, they were just waiting. They, they were pretty pumped up at times. It, even in the ninth inning. It, like, ninth inning, it's like, a couple guys get out. Who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. they were waiting, and they never... I mean, Rosario hit the one home run for the one run, but, again, that second inning... Yeah, loaded nobody out. I was that, just that was that was the game right there. I was, was I was just gonna say that because I'm watching this game <laughs> with my brother. The the bases are loaded, and you know who was it? Sano popped it up high, oh. and then you're just like, oh my gosh, they they gotta get a run here. They they're getting to to Severino, and when they didn't get a single run in that inning, just even one could have t- to tie the game could have changed the whole momentum. There, wow. when they didn't get it, I said it's game over. They are not going to win this game, and you just sensed it. the The energy in the stadium was gone after that. Uh, and yeah, and, and I'll be honest, Krenz, I can't. I don't. I I couldn't even make it through. Uh, these games are so absolutely flipping long. It's un. You know, if Rob Manfred and baseball really want to try and speed up the pace of play. Push the damn Yankees to do something fast. This is, and all the pitching changes, it's ridiculous. These games take way too long. And even I can't get through them. And the Twins were in it. I can't get through it. It's that bad. Well, you just got to go into it knowing it's going to be four hours. I and do, it's and it's, it's still at like a snail's pace. There was uh, there was a guy in front of us. We were behind home, behind home plate, upper deck. Mm-hmm. There, I would I would I would watch all the games up there. That'd be fine with me. Perfect vantage point. Yeah, and see the whole field, see home plate. It was fine. There's a guy, no mid twenties, a little younger than us, with his wife there. He's he's big fan, big fan guy, big twin fan guy. We're doing the lineups and everybody's up and cheering and all that shit. Game starts and everybody sits down watching the game. This asshole 
first pitch of the game. He stands up, Homer Yankees, first pitch, yay! The guy behind us says, hey, down front. That didn't do nothing. It's like, hey, sit down. And finally, guy turns around and says, hey, you can stand up too, you know. Like this whole section is sitting down. We're yeah. watching the game. Yep. There's going to be moments when you do stand up and something's going to happen. You don't need to stand up at the first pitch. And my and then me and Drew and Marcus was there. Marcus, it sucks for Marcus the most because this guy was right in front of him. Oh, so no. Was, so I don't know if you asked Marcus if, uh, I, if you asked him next week or this week yeah. about his dealing and his thoughts on this guy. But And so we're like, dude, this is going to be a four-hour game. Don't blow your load here in the first. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Let's let's face yourself. So the asshole finally sits down, and he's all grumpy about it. Not twin sands, and there's his first playoff game in nine years at home, and we can't stand up and cheer, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, quit being an asshole. <laughs> but you had guy. I mean, be considerate. There's people behind you. You can see just fine. There was like nobody within the like five rows below him were pretty much empty. Uh, from his vantage point, there's no reason for him to stand up and be considerate of people behind you. Yeah, if you're, they that, can't see. Sit the hell down. So I'm going. Faces loaded. By all means, stand up. Yep. First pitch. Sit your ass down. Yep. I'm going to the Vikings game on Sunday. Vikings Eagles. Uh, hope that uh, we can take Fargo out. Um, but that would be like me standing up for second down. In the middle of a drive. No, you don't. I mean, you wouldn't do that. You stand up for third down, really make some noise. That's fine. But you don't need to stand for the entire game. Um, so I agree with you there. That that seems very inconsiderate. Uh, the Twins, unfortunately, get bounced. They need to address the pitching, Krenz. They need to address the starting oh pitching God. and the bullpen. This team is going to be very good. They picked up Nelson Cruz's option. That's a no-brainer. The The lineup is largely going to be intact. Um I mean, so the bats hopefully will be hot again next year, but they absolutely have to take care of the pitching, both the starting rotation and the bullpen, if they want to take that next step. They're going to be fine next year. They're going to be a very, very good team. I I will say that they make the playoffs next year, barring significant injuries, but they've dealt with plenty of injuries uh, throughout this year, and they still were, you know, the Bomba squad was just fantastic. But they have to address the pitching. No other way around. If you even want a chance against the Yankees, you have to upgrade the pitching. It'll be interesting to see what they do because they've never spent before. They've never spent any money ever on any outside player. And they obviously got a very good offense, and the pitching was good enough to do what they did this year. You got Barrios. That's the only guy we know. They got Barrios. And who's going to be the other four pitchers? I would I would hope Older Rizzi would stay. Yeah, I mean, I've gone back and forth. Like, do I want him? Yes, no. He, he showed me something in, in that uh, playoff game. I would prefer him back. I hope they sign him. Three years, $50 million, something like that. Something in that range. So you sign him. He got that. He got Gratterall. Um, you, see, you see where he fits. Maybe he's the starter later on in the season. That guy's like Smeltzer and Thorpe and Dobnak. Those are your... Your fifth starter guy is kind of, you know, those guys can come in and out and up and down from the minors. So, one of those guys will be in the mix or a couple of them at times. But if you really want to do it, you, you got to find two 
two legitimate guys. There, there, for me, realistic options, there's not a whole lot out there for me. Like Eric Cole is going to get the huge money, and who knows where he goes. Like Strasburg could opt out. I don't know if he will. You got a guy like Zach Wheeler with the Mets who might, eh, he doesn't do much for me. He's probably like a top five starting pitcher in this Martin, this class, but it's like, I don't, he doesn't, if, like, if we sign him, like, all right, he's fine. He doesn't do much for me. I'd be fine re-signing Pineda. Probably get him cheaper because he'll be suspended for the first, you know, month, first 40 games, he'll be out. And, and he really pitched well. So mm-hmm. I, I would want to sign Pineda. I would want to find Odorizzi, but you need two guys. Um, I'd, I'd be good with Bumgarner. I wasn't, I didn't want to trade for him because he was going to be a free agent and he didn't, he wasn't all that great. The second half was pretty good. Happy to trade that Well, he, he here. would have been better than Dyson, I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. And then that kind of sucked with him. So, Bumgarner would be nice, but who knows where he goes. Um, I, I think a trade, I, I would be preferable with a trade. I don't know who that would be. Max Scherzer. Know, like, yeah, I mean, that ain't going to happen. Okay. But, like, guys, like, who's that? Like, Cindergard, do they want to do that again? I would have loved to have Strowman. That would have been nice, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, who? who's going to be out there? I don't know. But I guess Rosario has kind of been the name people have, have thrown out there. Of, well, we got to give up something to get something. Mm, and I don't want to say Rosario would be the be the guy that he's good. What he had thirty home runs at like hundred and five RBIs. Good season. His on base isn't very good. He, he's a good player. So I like, tell you know, he's he's replaceable. He he goes through some very good he's very streaky. He goes through some great stretches where he's amazing. He can also go through some stretches where he's not very good. How about trade Buxton? No. No, no, because when, he, when he is healthy, he is their best player. Yeah. But again, when is he healthy? Right. Never. <laughs> so it's like, and what is his value right now? Well, I, I, I assume his value's not great with the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully he's back by the start of next year. Hopefully he doesn't have to miss any time. Hopefully he's a more, he's a smarter player and a more cautious player when it comes to Running into fences recklessly and cost himself half a season, which he's done uh, most of the time. So Rosario has kind of been that guy. I think you probably get something for him. He could reasonably replace him with some dudes. They've got all these minor league dudes, and, and the thing about it is, the Twins have never signed that big name, and they've never traded for that big name, even when they were great all of those years. They never pulled off. The big blockbuster trade where they give up the big prospects. They've never done that. I am fine doing that. Do something. You've seen what Houston has done. Houston has gone for it. Mm-hmm. And they might get knocked out in the first round, but goddamn, you, you can't fault Houston for not going for it. Right. And, and it worked once, and who's out there? I don't know. You got to give up Royce Lewis? That's fine. You have to give up. You know, this Alex Kirilov, I'd like to keep him. Have to give up some dudes. Give them up. If you can get a guy, you can get somebody better than Brios, which you're going to need, and probably need a couple guys better than Brios. And if you have to give up for Royce Lewis, then so be it. Let's get some pitching. Hitting wasn't very good either, but it is just, the defense was bad. The, hitting, the Yankees were better across the board 
and it wasn't even close. Yep. Well, and they were just better across the board and, in every category. And the hitting's been uh, was consistent all season long. The pitching was up and down, so that's where they need yeah. to address it uh, without question. So yeah, if you have to give some prospects. For it, so be it. Uh, the other AL series currently going on right now. Oh my goodness! Oh, I'll just fly out to center. Never mind. I thought Washington had tied this game up here or uh, gotten within one run. Uh, warning track power. But uh, Houston and Tampa Bay. Houston dominated the first two games at home. Then Tampa came. Or Tampa. They they came to Tampa or St. Pete for games three and four. And Tampa's like, okay, here, hold my beer. Uh, we're gonna dominate here at home and the decision to start Justin Verlander on short rest for a game 4 it's not a it's not a elimination game for Houston uh very perplexing to me i don't get it cuz you want Verlander and Garrett Cole to start minimum twice each for your series against the Yankees cuz you're going to need them so I, I didn't understand that, and it backfired on the Astros. And now, they're, uh, as we're recording this, they have a Game 5 Thursday night against Tampa Bay. Uh, it's in Houston, so that should bode well, but uh, or that that favors Houston. But certainly, Tampa's stole on the, stolen the momentum and all of the pressure in the world, just like all the pressure in the world's on the Dodgers in Game 5 against Washington. All the pressure in the world's on Houston to win this Game 5 because no one thought Tampa would even force it to this point. Well, you know, they're giving Houston the World Series. I mean, they might win the series, and they might win the World Series. But I think as I get older, and everybody else gets older, they realize that sports doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The favorite usually could win. So, oh, Houston's this, and Houston's that. Well, maybe, probably, but when you see it up upset, you're like, who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, Golden State, you know, I pick them every year. Everybody picks Golden State to win it every year. I'm not even going to pick them for the playoffs this year. Well, I think they'll be in the playoffs. I don't understand that at all. There's like people saying they're going to be like the eighth seed. I think they'll be a lot better than that. So, the Golden State, what they win? They won four, four three. They won three. Three, yep. They won three. And it was kind of like three and five years, right? Yep. So they, they won three at 60%. So even the team that had this great run, even they lost. They, even they went three and two. In the, in, the, in the one sport in the NBA, we pretty much say, yeah, it's probably going to be this team and maybe this team. So even they didn't, uh, didn't maybe live up to expectations. But... I don't want to see Washington. I don't know why. I just don't like Washington. So uh, they they did it. And they, they see what they're doing. Scherzer, Scherzer bringing him in. Uh, Patrick Corbin got his head blown in the other night, but yep. he's a great pitcher. They brought him in. They brought in Strasburg in that uh, wild card game. They had they had to. So you see what they're doing. They're bringing in their guys. The Twins obviously don't have a Scherzer. But, like, was, was Barrios considered to pitch in Game 3 at all? Probably not. Because they needed him for Game 4 if they were even going to pitch in that. Right. So, I, I love seeing teams like Washington have those guys and they use them. Tampa, Tampa last night in Game 4, they brought in Blake Snell to get the last two outs. Yep. And everybody's going to be available 
Verlander's going to be everybody's on deck for Game Five because that's your season right there. Yep. So use your best guys. Some guys get it. Some guys don't. Uh, the Cardinals take care of the Braves. I thought Atlanta was going to win Game Five, but uh, St. Louis puts up a ten burger, a ten spot on on Atlanta in the first inning. In Game Five, go on to win thirteen to one. I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but I I think that had something to do with it. The energy in the stadium because of the whole tomahawk thing. You know, they were gonna do the they were gonna minimize the tomahawk chop and everything after one of the Cardinals relievers, who's uh, part Cherokee, uh, said that it was you know demeaning and and stuff and. Like it, it shouldn't have ever gotten to this point because we had said long. I think we've both kind of been on that same line. Like, hey, why are they doing this here? Why does Atlanta get to get away with this? And now that they they took away the foam tomahawks and everything like that, I don't know how much of a factor that played in, but I think it was some because just to promptly get rid of it for a game five uh, to move on. I think the fans are like, well, this is our, this is the thing that this team does. How are we going to get in the game? And they're Atlanta fans anyway. So uh, that's, that's already a difficult spot because Atlanta fans are fairly fickle and not uh, rambunctious at all. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I understand what the Braves did, but I think it affected the fans and the overall environment for Game 5, and that ultimately, I think, kind of affected the team. Yeah, this game was done as soon as it started, pretty much. Right. Ten runs in the end and hit a home run. In the year of the long ball, not one home run for the Cardinals in that first inning. I think the second batter of the game, I know the second batter of the game bunted, I think. I'm not sure. It's a sacrifice. I didn't see it. But, I mean, that's ridiculous. And that was one of the outs in the first inning. They scored ten times. Um, I have a big problem with St. Louis in this game. Um, you're up ten to nothing in the uh, what? Jake Flaherty, by far their best pitcher, their mm-hmm. ace, and they scored ten runs in the first. If you're St. Louis, how would you handle that pitching situation? Yeah, maybe I would. Even t- ten runs. Yeah, the maybe ten I- runs. You've got game one coming up probably against the Dodgers and. In two days on Friday, yep. you've got your eights on the mound in game five. They've scored ten runs for them before he even gets to the mound. How would you have handled that? Yeah, maybe I probably would have remo- uh, probably would have yanked him and said, hey, we need you for game one here. We yeah. got this. Correct. Correct. I would have, I would have pitched him in any. He's, he's warmed up. He's ready to go. Give him 20, 30, maybe whatever. Give him an inning. Maybe two. But once he is past that, it's like, well, now we can't use him on Friday for game one. And um, there's one baseball writer I saw on Twitter that said, yeah, they should pull him, like, right now, after next. And I'm like, yes, they should pull him right now. There was some other baseball writer who I think is garbage, said, oh, boy, the Cardinals, they, they played that perfectly, saved their bullpen. Boy, that was played perfectly. And I'm like, I can't imagine being, like, a baseball guy. That's my job is to cover baseball and to think what the Cardinals did was good if you want to, like, win the World Series and use your best pitcher, I was just dumbfounded. So yeah. You can think whatever you think, but and maybe I'm wrong. Who the hell knows? But to me, then nothing. This game's over. This game is done. Yeah. And and, and for them to, for, they threw him six innings. So he's not throwing game one. He's not throwing game two. 
You're going to get them for game three. At back at home. Yep. And depending on how this series goes, that may be it. You may get him for one start. And I think that is absolutely unacceptable. When you can start him for at least game one, and no matter really what happens in this series, you're going to get at least two starts of him, mm-hmm. and probably three if it goes game seven. Just a horrendously bad decision. Horrendously bad, I thought. And, like, this is not tough. I don't think these are difficult decisions. I think one decision greatly outweighs the other. And I thought what the Cardinals did, um, I hate them. You hate them. We all hate them. Mm-hmm. I think Baseball's best fans. Whoever wins this Dodgers-Nationals game, I uh, want them to beat the Cardinals. I do not want the Cardinals in the goddamn World Series. That interests me. <laughs> Zero. Well, we want the Astros to win the World Series overall. If uh, second to that would be the Rays, then I would say third would be the, for me it would be the Nationals. Um, I, I want the Dodgers. I want. I mean, I want them to win one. No, I want them to be the Buffalo Bills of Major League Baseball. Uh, no, I don't want that. Uh, so we'll check in on the baseball playoffs again next week. Uh, uh, hopefully, we'll have some good series uh, coming up. Um, do you want to get to the NBA thing now, or do we want to cover the rest of the other football? Okay, football. Uh, Vikings get a big win against the Giants. They looked very good, though the Giants are a bad team. Uh, they got a, the Vikings got a big week against the Eagles here, so hopefully they win that. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lose to the, the shorthanded Colts. Uh, Mahomes hurt his ankle. That's not good news at all uh, for the Chiefs' hopes. Uh, what, what was your big takeaway from football this week? Uh, Vikings, quarterback looked good. Uh, running back was great like he always is. Dealing did some stuff, so that's good. Defense, defense again was outstanding. Uh, Giants quarterback was pretty good, I thought. He, he pulled something there. Are you, are you going to call him Daniel Jones now? Danny Dimes? Well, well, again, we'll, we'll see at the end of the year. Again, we'll, we're not taking this week by week. We're taking this year by year. By, so. by the way, do not fault him at all for anything he does Thursday night against the Patriots. He is without Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard, and uh, Wayne Gallman, the backup running back to uh, Saquon Barkley. So the the Giants are going to face the best defense in the con- uh, best defense in the league with zero offensive players. Where are, the, where are the Vikings on your defensive ranking list? Uh, Patriots would be one. Bears, two. Um, Just going through the rest of this here. Uh, nothing in the NFC East. Uh, the Packers have to be considered up there. I would say the Vikings are... Through the rest of this here. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Buffalo is going to be three, I think, for me. Um... I would put the Vikings four or five. Okay. Uh, they've, been, they've been really good. Yes, they have. So, they beat the Giants. Giants suck. They left some points on the board. They, they should have scored at least yep. three. Yep. Um, field goal kicker. Field goal kicker was very good. NFC so, uh, like special teams player of the week, Dan Bailey. I, I like to talk about him when he's shitty. Well, he's been pretty good this year. Yep. I didn't understand trading for the Ravens guy. It's like Bailey was fine last well, I, year. I, I did. He, he, he was struggling in pre in uh in practice and stuff. He was missing field goals left and right. There we go. 
do I want to know? But everything was good, fine. Um, yeah, ego, I mean, they should be, if they don't beat Detroit next week, then go to hell. Beat Detroit, you always beat Detroit. Let, let's beat Philly first. Yeah, and then Washington's a, a joke. I want their yeah. running back neck broken and <laughs> just to like go out on that awful human. So, I mean, we're looking minimum, minimum five and three. Anything worse is unacceptable. Yep. If you're four and four, that sucks. Yep. You're not making a playoffs. Yep. Five and three. If you, if you if you beat the Eagles, I think I think they're better than the Eagles. Um, six and two, staring you right in the damn face here. So. Yep. Make some noise. Still think the Packers probably win thirteen games or something and get a bye. But you can uh, you can win ten or so here and uh, maybe get home. Uh, get a playoff game, I guess. Do something. Yep. Um, get a wild card or whatever. But. Eagles beat them, and uh, everything is good now. Everything is good for a week because when you win, that's all that matters. Yep, uh, Stefan. I mean, it was a tumultuous week for the for the Vikings. It was a it was a very bad week. Uh, it's amazing what a win can do. I do think this team can beat the Eagles. The Eagles won't have Deshaun Jackson by the sounds of it. Uh, the offensive the the defensive line does scare me. They're the best run defense in the league, uh, but I think the Vikings will do just fine. Um, so here's hoping that the Vikings can crush uh, the Eagles and stuff. Um, did you see uh, anything else football related we need to get to? Uh, Hobo Day, Jackrabbits win. That's very good. Uh, Jabori Gibbs uh, played fine. Uh, very windy day. Yeah. Um, Tenants wasn't good, 13,000, whatever. I think they got more for beef bowl. Yeah, football. Football's a sport. It's going on. There we go. Oh, I thought that maybe there was something else that I needed to say about that. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, did you see what uh, happened at Kansas? Uh, Kansas is having some oh. s- some issues. Uh, college basketball is starting uh, in the next month. We're very excited about that. We'll have a full preview in a month. Um, but uh, so, so all around, you know, the country, they're doing you know these big. Uh, shindigs, the, these parties and stuff in, in the arena. Yeah, it's like midnight madness. You know, we want we want to get started here, really get going, get fans uh, excited for the season. Well, Kansas did that, and they invited Snoop Dogg to uh, yep. to their home court, and he put on a show for them. And there were uh, you know pole dancers, yeah. or as a I don't know what the they said like acrobatic women or something I think is what Kansas said said um and there was money getting shot off and and stuff like that given the whole issues that Bill Self is facing with you know the lack of institutional control this would seem to be uh, a blatant disregard to anything the NCAA is looking at because this is a lack of institutional control if I ever saw anything and then for Kansas to say oh we we thought Snoop was going to put on a clean show and Snoop's like eh F you guys you get Snoop you go and get the real Snoop uh so Kansas bad look and in the light of the investigation I thought it was extremely tone deaf and even worse an even worse look on them I thought I did it. I don't know. It was a big deal. Like, I, I don't know. It's in the concerts. It's fine. It's not family I, I friendly, Chris. It's not family friendly. It's, for... it's fine. I don't know. Snoop Dogg, I guess. You get, you get him, you get him. I don't know. 
dancers on a pole. It's like whatever. Money shooting off, that's fine. I think it I think but it just looks worse because of the happen. investigation. But you know, and, not like nothing's gonna happen in Kansas. Ooh, I I bet I bet you're what are they, wrong. What are they gonna do? Well, what, are they, what, what, what could they possibly do? I bet. For real, it's been now like two years. I've been hearing about this FBI thing. Yeah. It's been two years now. Nothing has happened. I I, I remember what it was. It was it was uh, two seasons ago. It was with Sean Miller in Arizona, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's gonna get fired before the fucking <laughs> NCAA tournament starts. Yeah. And he's still there. Yep. And he's still there, and nothing has happened. Yeah. Like there, there's no there's no penalties. I, it's, like, it's like I'm watching the White House. There's no penalties for anything that happens. Yep. Like, I, when, when was the, what's the last penalty that was put, struck down on a team? Or look at Bruce Pearl, what, a decade ago with, where the hell, Tennessee. There yeah. was a thing with him. Bad barbecue. And now he's back at Auburn in, in, in the championship game. Yep. Like, they did the thing. Tennessee's fine. He goes to Auburn, and they're fine. Like, nothing's going to happen to Kansas. Nothing happened to North Carolina. They I, just had tutors do their players' papers. I, I, bet, can, I bet the NCAA nothing. will try and make Kansas an example. Nothing happened to them. I, I, nothing happens to this. The, the NCAA's got no, they've got no power. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they took away some wins. That doesn't count. That's fake. Like, um, um, I don't think anything's going to happen. Like Antonio Brown, nothing happened with him. He got cut. Ain't gonna get suspended. He doesn't have a job now. The NFL's not gonna suspend him for beating up his girlfriend. However, oh, they, long that was ago. They they will. They will if he signs with the team. He did job first. It's like yeah. I'm waiting for these suspensions. Like Tyree Kill, he didn't get suspended. Yeah, I'm waiting for these suspensions yeah. that never happened. That's a bad. Because one. whether it's football or college basketball or whatever sports. There, there's no repercussion. There's no, there's no nothing for, for this. Every concert, strip everything. Anything else we need to get to before we talk about this whole China NBA situation? Uh, we have a new Summer League member. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, we need to get to Saint Thomas. No. Saint Thomas out of Saint Paul, which was a surprise to everybody. Yep. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. It was with some soccer, some soccer Twitter account. Said, yep, this is what I'm hearing. It's happening. And goddamn, they were right. <laughs> it happens. A soccer Twitter account being the first to notify us. Yeah. What a world we live in. Like Augustine, I think probably by the end of the year, maybe by you know in the next month or two, I would maybe think Augustine will make the official announcement. So. I mean, St. Thomas, I like it. Surprised by it, I like it. Like, I don't like Kansas City. I don't I, like West Island. I know you don't. Um, they, they don't bring anything. Their facilities are drunk and they're not good at anything. They don't have any money. Their fans don't care. What, what makes Thomas you think St. Thomas does, though? What, what, what makes you think St. Thomas will? They've got money. They care about uh, football. That's, I mean, they've, they've got, uh, from, I don't know a lot about them, so I can't say a bunch about St. Thomas, but their basketball arena seems small, but it, but it seems like they've got money, which is something that West, Western and Kansas City doesn't. Right. So they've got money. They've been very good. I think this is an unprecedented jump from D1 to, from D3. Yep. So they have to have some special waiver. They're the anti-centenary. Yep. So huh. I like it. I like it from 
from that perspective, and we'll see how they do. It's I it's mean, a bold move, no doubt. Like I, I like it better than I would like a Drake. I don't want Drake in this conference. I don't want Kansas City in this conference. I would like St. Cloud and Mankato in this conference, and if I could get rid of Western and UMKC, I think that would be my wet dream if can, that would happen. Can, can we it's just not. get rid of Tulsa or get rid of Oral Roberts too while we're no, at I, it? I'm, I'm fine with them. I'm fine with them. I'm fine with them. I mean, they've, they've been competitive in the past, and they're a private school, and they've got money, and their facilities are good, and there's some some interest there. The, but I don't. I don't have any... Any problem with Oral Roberts? St. Thomas does nothing to me to elevate the Summit League by any stretch of the imagination. Them and Augustana, they don't add anything to the Summit League. What this is going to do is the Augustana Summit. Doesn't? No, I don't. I don't think. Really? I don't. Wow. Augustana. Augustana provides more than St. Thomas. But th- what this move tells me is that the Summit League is preparing for the inevitable when North Dakota State and South Dakota State leave. This this does nothing to me for to help the Summit League at all, uh, except add another member. There's nothing about this that screams like oh like this is wonderful news and stuff. I mean this is like New Jersey Institute of Technology. Twin Cities, like like people know who St. Thomas is, right? It, and that's like, the, the Twin Cities kind of know. Um, so you get to there. It, that's fine. Um, I just don't. I don't think from a competitive standpoint or from a school stand. Like we could look at some of these other schools. Like North Alabama is making the jump to the Atlantic Sun. Uh, they were in it last year. They, they're at, like, I don't know what they what they will do for the Atlantic Sun at all. Probably nothing. It's like the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Big whoop. Um, I just don't see how Saint adding St. Thomas enhances the Summit League at all. And I don't know what St. Thomas will do for football. Like, are you going to try? Are you just going to be independent? I think it works better for them with football than it does Augustana. Yes, because they could keep right football. Because they're, they're Division three right now, and they don't have scholarships. So it doesn't change. They still don't have scholarships when they go to the Pioneer League. Well, they're they're thinking Pioneer or potentially the Missouri Valley. Pioneer seems the more likely route. Yeah, they're not. Augustana's not getting into the Valley unless something changes, and St. Thomas sure isn't. Um, Their football stadium's not big enough. Yep. So yeah, if they go to the Pioneer, that's fine. Um, And then they don't have scholarships to begin with, so I think Augustana has the more difficult decision of Playing in the Pioneer League there, mm-hmm. um, like I, I didn't even consider like SDSU or North Dakota State leaving. I don't like the Missouri Valley would be the only place logical place they would go. Agreed. And I, I don't see them going there. There's no reason to go there. Missouri Valley's not a ton better than what you have right now. You know the, the Creightons and on all those teams left now. Missouri Valley's not not intriguing at all especially with, with the tournament not in some falls. Yep. So I, I, I like it. Like, do, do, do you feel that same way about Kansas City? Because what you said about St. Thomas, just replay that and say this is yep. what I think about Kansas City. I, right. It, it, it brings nothing. It brings nothing to the league. It, it makes your league worse. Well, I think St. Thomas, at the very least, it doesn't hurt you. I, I think it's negative to I think I want to see what St. Thomas can bring in right before we just add a Division Three school 
into the fold. I mean, I think certainly, as you said, this is the opposite of what Centenary did. Um, I would Would you rather have St. Thomas in the league or Kansas City? I think I'd rather have Kansas City. Um, I would rather have St. Thomas. I mean, Kansas City, they're, they're a negative on you. I get that. Uh, I, I I like the market of Kansas City. I do like that they were a former summer yeah, league yeah. member. I like the the, the geographic uh, aspect of this, and, and the same thing goes for St. Thomas. Um, and and so I'm not I'm not I, I totally get the the argument here, and I'm not saying that St. Thomas won't be at least a good member at some point, but I do think that this is a long term look for the Summit League that they are that they need to add some of these teams now when the inevitable happens and SDSU and NDSU leave. That's a, I don't think I don't I don't want to say they're never leaving but I don't think they're leaving for at, for a long time. We'll be old men at that. I think they're I mean they just some of just moved to Sioux Falls. Yep. But and I mean SDSU you would still have NDSU, they are there for essentially Forever. Well, that's a, but the, that's why you bring in USD and that's why you bring in Augustana and stuff. I think that the some I I think if SDSU and NDSU continue to be successful, and especially with NDSU football, I mean that that's really what what drives they, this. They have nowhere here. to go though. I mean they can't go. They're in the Missouri Valley yeah. already for football. I I think a, I would not be surprised if the Mountain West reached out. Um, now I don't know if something would have to change maybe like with San Diego State and San Jose State maybe they would were to move on Fresno State and stuff because from California to the Dakotas is a little ridiculous but you know if you have you know the Wyoming's and Colorado State's uh, you know Air Force uh, the, the, I, the, the Boise State's whatnot in that and then I think NDSU and SDSU make a little bit more sense because it's slightly more geographically um, centralized there. Uh, the MAC, I don't see them making a play at that. I just think at, at some point here, SDSU and NDSU are going to make that jump if they if they receive an invite. Just I, I just sense it that that's kind of how the college landscape is changing. But with Kansas City being in the Kansas City market. I mean, they don't get any coverage. Right. So, it's like, it's like Tennessee State in Nashville. They get some coverage, but it's like... Minimal. They're barely in, they're barely in the top ten. Yep. In Nashville, you add the Titans and the Predators. You the, add the, Vanderbilts. Right. And the, the FCE in general. You had Tennessee Volunteers, three hours. Keeps were a big deal. The, the one thing that really helps St. Thomas is that this would give Minnesota a second D1 school. Minnesota, the University of Minnesota right now, the Golden Gophers, the only D1 school in the in the state. So by St. Thomas making this move, that does actually push them, I think, ahead of Kansas City because they would get more of that media exposure within yep. the state, and that would ultimately help the Summit League. So I'm going to actually reverse course here right now and say that, yes, St. Thomas is better than UMKC, but I don't think it overall is a is a huge gain for the Summit League. I agree with that. Second Division 2 or Division 1 to look at some coverage. Uh, Marcus... 
would be very pissed if Mankato and St. Cloud now make the move because they didn't have the balls to do it in the first place. Right, right. Uh, St. Thomas did. I, I it's kind of like USD. It's kind of like USD. Hey, if you want to come with us, we're going. We're going. Yeah, we'd like to see you fail. You want to come? Yeah. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, okay, we'll see you then. Two years later. We're coming. Oh, you're coming now, and now you're going to be left in the dust, and now it's... And you've just been... In, in, in the major sports, you've just been left behind. Oh, oh but hey, we have track and field. That That's going to get really get you. Right. And, and in, in the two sports that matter, you've been left behind and you've been passed. Not that you were there in the first place, but boy, what a, what a terrible mistake. And I'm sure if they had to redo it, they probably would. So right. I hope here in the next maybe 10 years, I mean, 10 years from now, I hope this conference is uh, the, the four Dakotas Three Minnesota schools, Omaha. That's what I hope this conference is. So you're get, say, yeah, okay. So you're getting rid of Oral Roberts and Denver. That's good Oral to hear. Roberts, no, no, no. If they want to be, no. if they want to be stragglers, that's fine. If not, I mean that doesn't break my heart at all. Denver doesn't mean a shit a bit in this conference. Oral Roberts, eh? Like if Oral Roberts was good like they used to, then sure, yes, stay. But they just haven't been as competitive as they were before they left, for whatever reason. So, right. If, it, if it's those eight schools, then goddamn, I'm happy. Yep. Okay, I'm fine with that. I just, I just sense that the. It, I mean, what this is a well, this is a swan song for the PFWs. Bring it their asses out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're getting, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting schools people can actually point to on a map, if not confuse, if it's not actually get their names right, since nobody can actually get the names right yeah. for SDSU, the very least they can maybe find it on a map. Uh, the, and they can maybe know what the hell it is. Nobody knows what an IPFW is. You know, when I play... Nobody knows what an IUPY right. was. I, I, when I play NCAA 2K8, it gives me all these different states, like oh, Louisiana shit. and Missouri and Indiana, Illinois, and and you know South Dakota, North Dakota. Well, I mean, now I it'd have to change it. And Minnesota would be in there. Colorado. I mean, hey, did you yeah. hear? I think uh, what NCAA uh, football is going to be coming back on EA Sports 2021. Is it? I think so. Good. I think so. I hope. I, I, everybody would be excited about that. I thought I saw something on like a YouTube video promoting it. Um, uh, let's see. Maybe maybe that was just a. Uh, you know, a, a, a wet dream or something. But uh, like, I, I don't know how we get rid of Western Illinois. I think we're in agreement we would like them to leave. It, it doesn't benefit them to leave any, anywhere because who the hell would want them? But, like, Western's the worst. And I would say UMKC is the second worst. And besides that, you're getting rid of IPFW. Um, so I like those two. If we can just get rid of Kansas City and Western, the two... Uh, doormats the conference. That'd be great, but you know, Western just hanging on by a thread. Um, do we want to talk the NBA now? Anything else we need to get to? Yeah, the basketball. Okay. Well, if you didn't hear by now, it's the tweet that was heard around the universe, uh, especially by 1.4 billion people in China. Uh, Daryl Morey 
is uh, the rising GM. He's one of the better GMs in the NBA. He's GM of the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets uh, were in... Were they in Hong Kong? Were they in Shanghai? Uh, they were in China. Yep, it was China or Japan, one of the two countries. And Daryl Morey tweets, Free Hong Kong. Now, for those that don't know, Hong Kong's been in a real struggle uh, with China because China wants, apparently, if there's a crime committed, it's like they're two sovereign nations, or the, they're two nations, but... They're one nation, but they have two different like political systems. Or um, you know, Hong Kong's democratic, China's communist, and if you commit a crime in Hong Kong, China says, "No, oh, we want to prosecute you in China." I think that's kind of the yes. in a, in a nutshell. That's what's going on. And Hong Kong's like, "Well, to hell with you. Uh, we're doing all these protests and stuff." So. Uh, it's it's a bad look for China, not that they it, so they probably aren't going to listen to our podcast now because CCTV is going to censor this, and and take it off the web there, if they ever find it. But uh, it's not a good look because China now is so Daryl Morey tweets free Hong Kong and China gets all butthurt about this and is like oh my gosh this is that that's a that's bad free speech and you know so, something needs to happen so they're they're starting to cancel. Preseason games, as you mentioned, the Lakers and Nets are there. Uh, sponsors are pulling out of the NBA, and like this is a billion-dollar industry in China. Like this, is, there are billions of dollars for the NBA in China into this China Chinese market. And Adam Silver has a huge issue on his hands because the the Chinese are not. They find the NBA's response to Daryl Morey's tweet unsatisfactory. And the NBA is like, well, no, we promote, you know, like, we, you know, we protect the free speech and everything like that. And China's like, well, that sucks because that's not uh, part of free speech, talking about the sovereignty of nations and all this uh, gobbledygook. And so the NBA is in a very precarious situation here, a precocious situation, uh, because I essentially see there being a no win for the NBA in this at all. There's a 10% chance that it'll all work out well, which would suck for me. But I see it being like 45% chance of the NBA says, yes, we're going to stick by Daryl Morey. We have, we are always going to stand for free speech and, you know, because they've been so good with the, with the social uh, issues that have plagued our country here over the recent years and stuff. And they stand behind the players and everyone's right. So the NBA could say, yes, we stand behind Daryl Morey and his right to free speech and stuff, and that's what they've said, and they're they're apologetic over the reaction of all of this. And China's like, well, that sucks for you because here we're going to, as I say, cancel the preseason games. We're going to uh, cancel like shoe deals and, and phone deals, all this marketing stuff here. So this is potentially billions of dollars, at least hundreds of millions of dollars that are leaving. And... Or the NBA can say, yeah, Daryl Morey, that was very wrong of you. You are going to get fired. Appease the Chinese. And then the moral compass of the NBA is lost. And I think it would piss off a lot of players and I think a lot of fans and stuff as well because they look to the NBA to take the, the, the stance on these social issues. So that would look very bad for the NBA to do that, to sacrifice it just for the, the money aspect of it. So it's a... 
it's a difficult business decision that you'd have to make here. The NBA, I don't think, is in a win-win situation unless, by the grace of God, Adam Silver, the commissioner, figures out a way to be the ultimate diplomat in this, in which case he should not be the commissioner of the NBA anymore. He should be commissioner to China and any other nation that's you know, going through a communist regime and all that stuff. So, with that being said... What are your thoughts on this? Because this is a hot button issue right now. And I think for me, like I say, I don't see where the NBA wins in this. A lot of money involved, as you said. So they've kind of been tiptoeing around this because they don't want this to completely blow up and lose all of this money. That's about to. I mean, they... Yeah, and then Yao Ming kind of did the deal, and we're 10, 15 years into this China stuff, but we're going to lose all this uh, progress. They don't want that, but then they've been pretty good when it comes to social issues and that. So China's not very happy, but when you get in too bad with the country that does things the way they do it, I mean, this could be bound to happen. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. What, what, I mean, if I'm the NBA... Like, I, I pull all my teams out. There's, you know, the Nets and the Lakers are there. Yep. I'd say, all right, this is the way you're going to do it, China. All right, LeBron, everybody, Durant, let's go. We're going home. Well. You're supposed to play a game, and then they, I think they have played a game, or they will play a game. I was like, all right, this is this is your stance, China. All right, LeBron, let's go. We're, uh, we're coming back home, and there's no game, and there's no nothing until uh, you change their course. Uh, China will not change their course. So you probably just break off the relationship and see if you can salvage some of it at a later time. So that makes sense, but that's also something like... So China's already pulling the games from CCTV, so the country's not going to be able to see the, the games anyway. If they go to the arenas, like maybe, what, 18,000, 20,000 will be there? If that even, you know, they, they might be playing in half-empty arenas. The Nets and Lakers are scheduled to play two preseason games there. Uh, they've already had to cancel some NBA care events, and... Um, you know, the media uh, portions of this, media sessions have been canceled. They're canceling a lot of events there in China already. So I think it would make sense to pull the NBA teams there because there's it's not doing them any good right now since CCTV is taking the games off air. And they're not going to, you know, the, they've already canceled some G League uh, games, I think, between the Rockets and Mavericks affiliates and, and stuff. So they've already taken that off the board. So China's doing all this. So taking Nets Lakers out, I don't think is a, is a, like, a, oh, we'll show you China because China is already essentially cut off anyone outside of 20,000 people, which is like a tenth of a, you know, one tenth of 1%. If, and maybe that's even a little large to the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Like they've already pulled the game from TV. So I don't know if it's, uh, if the NBA can say, all right, you don't get any TV then, or China will make that decision for them, and China's not going to show any games this season anyway. But, um, you know, there's a lot of money involved here. I don't know how much it is, or if it's if it's a big deal, or how much it really is in the scheme of things. I'd have to look at those numbers and, and see how they break down. Um, but if it's not too bad, I would say, all right, we're done. Let's go home. When when you wanna when you want our shoes and everything else, when you want. Uh, to, to be in the NBA business again, we'll be here. But 
for them for trying to do what they did, I think it's just unacceptable. The o- and they do a lot of unacceptable stuff. And I agree with you there. So, I mean, I, I can't believe, I, I mean, I'm not a Daryl Morey fan, but I agree with him in his stance there, or in his tweet, uh, like, yeah, free Hong Kong, that's fine. China for taking the stance is not good. But for the NBA standpoint, too, Adam Silver is in the business of making the owners money. Well, you, if you're taking, if, if you're losing all this money from China, that means less money going to the owners, which means less money overall in the pool for the NBA players. So instead of these, you know, max, you know, super max contracts of 150 or 200 million dollars, that's going to drop significantly as well. So the players have to consider that. I will say this. And I can't believe I'm saying it, and I kind of hate myself for saying it, but I agree with President Trump for what he said earlier Wednesday, making fun of Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, because, you know, Steve Kerr is humming, uh, you know, humming and hawing about, you know, when asked about the, you know, the China thing and what's going on, and Greg Popovich uh, gave more of a direct answer, but, you know, he didn't look like a scared little, uh, you know, chicken like Kerr did but if if Kerr and and Popovich are going to talk about the social social issues that are plaguing this country and I fully support them doing that and calling out everything that's going on they also need to do that uh, for what's going on in China too and I don't know if the NBA is strictly put like a gag order in effect on all these coaches but for Kerr and Popovich to just say, oh, I need to look into this more. I need to do more research and and stuff. That's a very petty and bad look for both of them, and they should both be ashamed of themselves. So I was well, it true though? Is what true? Like maybe Steve Kerr is not well versed in what this. You don't situation. need to be. You, maybe like, he is. I, like what? I I I have a hard time thinking that. Someone who is in, is entrenched in the NBA doesn't know what's going on with China and the NBA to offer even a little bit of insight or a little bit of comment. And so where I agree with Trump is that he's calling them out for not saying that, but they don't have a problem with talking about the U.S. But, you know, God forbid you talk about something that's going on terribly wrong with China and you can't say a damn word like that's that's uh, repulsive to me. It's very reprehensible. I don't, I don't see that, but it's. Oh, Popovich, he says he agrees with Adam Silver's comments and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr would have probably talk on Thursday. I think they may play somebody Thursday. He'll probably talk about it then. Um, I mean, I don't. Obviously, they don't agree with what's going on. I don't think there's any benefit in them saying, "Yeah, this sucks. Try not suck it." I think the NBA is trying to salvage things at the moment, and it won't help if their two most high-profile coaches uh, go on the wagon. You know, like nobody in the NBA is really saying anything at the moment. And that's so, why I think the NBA has essentially put a gag order on everyone. Uh, yeah. But again, just for two of the more outspoken coaches uh, to to not be able to say anything on such a hot-button issue right now, it's a bad look on them. Like, I, I don't care what, what they say about China. Um, like, Trump, he didn't say anything this whole time about any of those two. Now he does it in this situation. I mean, Trump, he doesn't agree with Hong Kong, so he can go fuck himself as far as I'm concerned. Um, Trump, 
doesn't he hasn't said anything as far as support for for people protesting. So he I, he doesn't care about all of this. And I'm not again. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm, I'm agreeing with him on his stance. Well, for, him, or, for him to say that, it's like, dude, you're not even on the right side. I so like, like he doesn't even know what's going on. Well, so that's again, I, I just him true. more than I just, I, any person who's ever walked the earth, basically. It, this, in my life. It's just it's a very bad spot for the NBA, especially you know with the season about to tip off and everything. And I don't think this is a this is a situation that's going to die or go away quietly. This is going to linger for quite some time. Thing where come the All Star break, we'll forget this even happened. Uh, I don't think it's so. Like, it'll happen because it's not like they play games over there. It's all preseason stuff, right? And it's like. China and the NBA, all right, they'll do whatever they want to do. They'll continue their relationship or they will not. So it's, I, I don't know. It's. I think you're right. I think the situation will die down, but I think it's, it, 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 this is going to have a lasting impact on the NBA. And I don't think it's going to be, a, it's not going to be good for the NBA whatever decision they make, barring a miracle and the diplomacy efforts of Adam Silver. My NBA's not going to change because of this. It'll be, it'll be fine. Be less popular in China or Chinese people will have a harder time watching the NBA. But does that mean anything? It doesn't mean anything to me. So, I mean, but when you do business with them, I mean, when you do business with country and people like that, this is something that could happen. Mm-hmm. And now this has happened, so... Uh, you, you made your bed, you lay in it, and there you go. So, yes, sir. Anything else before we say so long? No, weather's gonna suck. The baseball's going on. Uh, like I haven't seen a lot of college football this year. I don't feel like I've missed a thing. Like LSU, Texas seemed like a good game. I didn't see it. I, I speaking like, of I, that, I don't think I missed anything this year. No, you really haven't. Clemson, uh, LSU has a great quarterback named Joe Burrows who's going to look great in purple and gold next year. Um, I am, I will say I'm very upset with you that you had to take Vanderbilt and Virginia Tech this week in our pick em. I was like, I, I, I thought I had no idea that you had four losses this week. I thought for sure my three losses were going to take the top. I just couldn't believe it, and now I know that it oh, – I knew you were going to take Virginia Tech and Vanderbilt, and it's like, God dang it, I need I need to get going here. I have yet to get eight wins in a week here. This is, um, last week was tough picking. I think I picked last. Yep. And that was, and it showed with my 4-4 four and four record. So this week I get to pick first. I still think I got a chance because, you know, I, I picked some terrible teams that, Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it all kind of—I again, I hate the system we're in, where it's week by week. Yep. I guess it's not to change, but um, yeah. I, I mean, you just get rid of those bad teams, and if you get a win from Kansas or Rutgers or Illinois, like goddamn, that's that's one for me. Yep. So, yeah, and I, there. I still have to pick um, Illinois and Rutgers, so I'm I'm looking forward to that stretch in the Big Ten coming up. And a lot of it is luck. Just who, who have you yep. picked? Who can't you pick? Who's available? I mean, this week, thought the Big 12's got three games. Yeah. So I assume somebody's probably going to have to pick a team that they've already picked already. Just because the other teams are not. Uh, other teams have been picked. 
Oh, I think you would have to just. I think you would just have to pick a team that you hadn't before that someone else would have. That would be yeah, my guess. Uh, yeah, but some of what there's, we've been doing what six, seven weeks or whatever, seven, six weeks. So hopefully you've not picked all six of the Big Twelve teams that are playing right now. Because mm-hmm. if you haven't, I guess you picked somebody twice. But I mean, college football. I mean, I, I, I don't, don't feel like I've missed anything. There's not a whole lot there. You missed uh, the punt fest last week, Iowa and Michigan, ten three. That was uh, you know. Thank thank God, Uh, Dish and uh, Fox have resolved their differences, and I now get Fox and FS1 and FS2 and the Big Ten Network. But I'm quite thankful, actually. The silver lining being that. Uh, Iowa and Michigan were on Fox last week, and because they didn't get their uh, their disagreement resolved until Sunday, I didn't have even the option to watch Michigan and Iowa, and I'm glad that I didn't because that would have been atrocious. I thought it was 10-3. It was like the only game I was watching. And I went away, and I came back when it was over, and it was the same score I thought three hours ago. Like, 10-3. Sorry, sorry, I missed that one. <laughs> hey, the Gophers, Gophers haven't lost yet. Yep. Them, they're doing well. Big game against Nebraska this week. They should win. Ben Simmons hit a three-pointer. Oh, yes. Maybe two of them. Unbelievable. Maybe this will be the year. Year three of his career, maybe he'll hit his first three-pointer. We can only hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. All right, my friend. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Good luck with the weather, and we'll chat next week. That quarterback I mentioned last week. Yep. He didn't play very well against LSU. No, he did not. No. I would much rather right. have. I would much rather have the Vikings have the LSU quarterback Joe Burrows. And maybe. We'll see. Telling you, the former Ohio State quarterback, real deal here. Not that this matters, but when was the last time LSU had a good quarterback in the NFL? Um, uh, if, if we can't, I don't know, and I think that's a problem. Yeah. Marcus Russell was 15 years ago. Yeah. There hasn't been somebody since him. I can't remember anybody from him. Zach Mettenberger. So not that that matters at all. Zach Mettenberger was okay. In the NFL? Yeah, you know, he had a few moments. Zach Mettenberger was okay. Yeah. In the NFL. Hey, apart from apart from Joe Namath, what Alabama quarterback's been any good, you know, since, you know, now, of course, there's Tua, but... Who was it? Um... Don't say Greg McElroy. Stabler? Is he from Alabama? I think so. Zach Mettenberger. Did you say he was okay? Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, he was a what? A 5? Uh, you know, the 4 or 5 tops. I'd put him on a 2. Okay. He was over ten as a starter. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, I suppose. He was 12 touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. 
The snake, uh, yes, Ken Stabler was from Alabama. So, okay. And he's dead, so that's not great. No. No, that that is, that is not. Hey, XFL draft, I think it's next week, I think. Mm. They've, released, uh, they've released a lot of their guys. Eight teams, it's going to be 71 rounds stacked in. I don't know why it needs to be that many, but it does. It feels like 60 would be plenty, <laughs> but it's going to be in this draft. Zach Mettenberger is in this draft. <laughs> um, so we're, it's very exciting. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. There's one SDSU guy in it. Uh, that's all I've seen this one. They're going to release, think, the final uh, players on Friday. They've released three of the groups. They're going to release the last group. I've heard of a couple of people. Uh, Vinny Testaverde's son. Ah, yeah. Really played Albany. Yep. Uh, is it this draft? He was in uh, uh, Tampa Bay's uh, uh, training camp. I've heard of Zach Mettenberger. Uh, there's a couple of guys on this um, list I've heard of. They're not good which is why it's the XFL. But it is interesting, uh, and I think this league is going to stick around for at least two years. I think they've at least committed for two years, so it's not going to be like the other league that couldn't even get to the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be there. It's going to be interesting. Like Green Day's song, Wake Me Up When September Ends, Wake Me Up When the XFL is Done. I think that week after the Super Bowl, we'll be all into the XFL. All right. I'll be into college basketball. If Mobo makes the team, would you be excited about no, this? No, no, no. Taron Christian is a quarterback in this league. I'll hope he does if good, but I will not watch. No. You will not watch, no. even if your own Jackrabbits are in this league. Uh, no, no. My heavens. My heavens. Draw the line. I draw the line, Crince. I draw the line. Taron Christian was with what? Pittsburgh last week? Yes. There you go. He's in the what, three teams already? Yep. Good. He's even, he's even Edwin Jackson are on first night. <laughs> <laughs> Any interest in the Twins? And the Twins becoming the record-setting team for what? Team 15, 16, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Any interest in you and Edwin Jackson? Only if, he per- the only if he performs well. Only if he performs well. Also, next year, uh, 26-man roster. So that's one more player. Good. On the, uh, on the baseball team. Get a freaking pitcher. Get a freaking pitcher. All right. right. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you next week. My fantasy team sucks. We'll see you. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Uh, good yeah. luck this week. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Travis. Travis Grins joining us here Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time, as always. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, he's not doesn't think it's as big a deal with the NBA and stuff. I, it's a pretty big deal. It, I think the NBA is uh, not going to fare well in this. But we have plenty to get to. It's a long podcast this week. Uh, Mark's tracks are going to stop by, talk some hockey with us. We'll make our uh, picks for week six. Coming up next, Charlie Hildebrand, college football, our resident college football expert. He is going to stop by, gives us some thoughts on the college football season so far and we'll bring back the two games that america loves the one game for sure the other game i think we you like you remember those games if you don't if you can't remember find out next here on the sports block podcast now on podcast.com follow me on twitter at nd stackin travis grins at travis grins facebook nathan stackin a link to the podcast post middle to later part of each week college football hockey nfl picks 
It's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Don't stop us. Welcome back to the Sports Block Podcast here. Pleased to be joined by my good friend, Charlie Hildebrand, our resident college football expert. Charlie, how are you? I'm very good, Nathan. How are you, Mr. Stanton? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, do you want to share your news, or should we just get to college football? No, sure. I mean, I can do that pretty quick. I mean, I won't take up too much time, but, you know, I worked, uh, and technically still have another week left. Uh, at the uh, the Aberdeen American News, and it was uh, it was a good good, good job in a nice place. But I uh, am taking a job in Sheldon, Iowa, at the Northwest Iowa Review uh, for a few reasons. One of the biggest is that I will only be an hour away from home, as opposed to being four hours away from home in Aberdeen. That's that's a big that's a big plus there. Uh, congratulations! Have you found a place to live yet? No, that is one reason why I'm back at home at my parents' place right now, because tomorrow, my second of two days off, I'm going apartment hunting in Shelvin. So that is why I hope to leave tomorrow with an apartment set up and an address and all that fun jazz. Let me just, if you can, it's always nice to find an apartment with a, with a, like a washer and dryer in said unit, but uh, maybe they don't have that in Sheldon. I hope so. I mean, you know, in the building isn't the worst case scenario, but definitely prefer it unit. That's why I had in Aberdeen. It was really nice that having it, so I didn't have to go down to the basement to do laundry. And you didn't have to pay for it then. So, I yeah. mean, that, I mean, you have to pay for the soap and everything, but yeah, but that's it. Not all. Not you don't have the quarters though, and everything like that. Well, congratulations! I'm happy for you. I'm glad you'll be able to have weekends. That means you'll be able to watch so much more college football. So much more. They're, like I'm not gonna lie, I love doing this. Dak, and there have been times that there are games I had to read recaps of or watch at two o'clock in the morning when I got home. Yep. Now I won't have to do that. I'm really looking forward to that. That's right. Uh, let's. Uh, have we talked since the beginning of the season? I feel like we have. Yep. I feel like it was week two or something. But we. It's, I, I believe we last talked after my Cornhuskers lost to Colorado. Oh, I'm sorry. Which was week two. Well, ugh, this is awkward. Uh, <laughs> um, since then, uh, is it fair to say that a Ohio State looks like the best team in the nation? And B, Clemson, uh, there's a lot of talk that maybe Clemson isn't deserving of being a playoff team. Now, a lot has to happen, and surely, you know, Ohio State's got games against Penn State and Michigan left but uh, that they could trip up on. But uh, there are a lot of teams that appear, or there are a few teams that appear to be better than Clemson, which is a surprise, I think, to most of us. Yeah, I think there's times we always kind of forget as fans that each season, even if there's most of the same guys back, you know, it's still not the exact same team as the year before. The chemistry's different, and sometimes that can shake things up. And, you know, Clemson does not look as good. I mean, they still look plenty good, but not like the dominant force they were last year. You know, like you mentioned, there's still, I think they've still got six games left, so, you know, a lot of that can change. I think it was the Deshaun Watson national title team that kind of, was good, but a little slow at times. The year had really caught fire over the last month and a half of the season, so that could certainly happen. But I would say that based off what we've seen just this year, not taking the last four or five years into account at all, I think Ohio State looks like the best team in the country. Clemson, you know, with that weird close game to North Carolina, you know, I, I'm certainly fine if people say they're not in the top four. I think they probably will be by the end of the year, but I think it's fair right now. 
Um, you could probably, to an extent, say the same thing about Alabama. If you want to rank Alabama number one, that's fine. But yep. I think Ohio State has just, you know, I mean, they're, they're always good, but there's certain years where they look extra juggernaughty. I don't mm. know if juggernaughty is a word. No, nope, well, we're making it a very, word. We're making it. very much like a juggernaut this year. Is it fair, though, to at least put... put press the pause button on Ohio State since they haven't really played anyone. Of course, now they have played Michigan State, and they beat them very convincingly, but Michigan State sucks on offense. So, it, sure, but Michigan State's pretty good on defense, and they put up, I, I don't remember what the final score 34 was. 34-10. At least 30. Yep, yeah. 34-10. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're plenty good, and they, uh, they still held Michigan State to 10. I mean, I agree that Michigan State's not good on offense, but you know, they didn't accidentally give up 21. And yeah, I mean, other than Michigan State, I don't think they've played any particularly good teams. But they've made up for that by not having the, you know, Clemson-North Carolina game where you're like, oh, well, that's weird that this game was so close. Or even the Georgia-Tennessee game, or for a half it was really close. And then they pulled away late where they're just like, yep, we're, they look very, very dominant. Which, of course, means a month from now they'll randomly lose by 30 to a Big Ten West team. And yes. they'll all be confused, but, but yep. as of right now, I would say they're the number one team in the country. North Carolina, you mentioned them, that close a loss they had to Clemson. They've been a surprise this year, a very a pleasant surprise. Uh, give me another team that has surprised you both. Uh, give me a team that surprised you for the, the better, and then also a team that maybe has surprised you for the, for the worse uh, so far this season through six weeks. For the better, now I'm going to preface this with I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised that this team has the record that they do. It's more the way they've looked. But I would say LSU, who offensively looked very, very challenged. You know, there was that one year when they had Zach Bettenberger and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. I think that was 2013. Mm-hmm. They were pretty good on offense that year. But basically for the last seven or eight years, for the most part, LSU has been kind of gross to watch on offense. That is not the case now. Joe Burrow and all those receivers they've got. I mean, they've always been loaded with talent, but they're utilizing it properly on offense, and they do not look fun to stop. Joe Burrow would be looking very good in purple and gold next year. Yeah. You, you, want, you want your Vikings to get him? You don't want the Vikings to trade up and get Tua? Well, I, I mean, I, it would take a King's Ransom to do that. Uh, but well, if you're a Vikings fan, I'm a Dolphins fan. The Dolphins very well get at the number one pick. We could maybe work something. Oh man, that that could be you know tank for Tua or whatnot. Uh, I, I know the Vikings are in need of a quarterback, and I don't know if if Joe Burrow is really the guy. I think there was some question last year, but I mean he has just been absolutely dominant last you know this year, and I think he was a transfer from Ohio State, right? I mean so. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he left after his redshirt sophomore year. He was either he was either a true sophomore and then used a redshirt year while he sat out, or he got immediately eligible. This yeah, he, this isn't he was at Ohio State. He got beat out by Dwayne Haskins, and obviously right. Dwayne Haskins we remember was pretty good in Ohio State. This isn't and so he transferred, and it's, it's ended up working out pretty well for both schools. I mean, this isn't a Danny Etling from Purdue sort of deal here. Like you're dealing with a very good program that gets its fair share of very highly recruited quarterbacks. You know, so I, I, I think we have to keep that and con- take that into consideration too and not look at this so much as Joe Burrow being a fluke. He's really the real deal, and LSU finally has their quarterback. I agree. They, they really, yeah, he's the best they've had since Mettenberger, and definitely what's better than Mettenberger. I mean, you go before that, I mean, 
I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, I know it was a white quarterback when they won the title in 07. And then before that, they had Jamarcus Russell. I mean, he probably is the best since Russell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably won't be drafted as high as Jamarcus Russell, but may have a better NFL career as well. How about a team that uh, maybe surprised you on the bad side? On the bad side, uh, I've been thinking about this, running some teams through my head, thinking in general. Probably Miami. I mean, I think they only have one win right now. They just turned it over. Maybe just turned it over again against your Hokies. Yeah, they did. Uh, they do have two wins. They are they are currently two and three. They've beaten Central Michigan and uh, Bethune Cookman. Forgot about Bethune Cookman, but yeah, they they. Do, I mean, I think I thought they were going to win uh, the Coastal Division. I think a lot of people thought they were going to win the Coastal Division. And, uh, that is, looks incredibly unlikely now, and I haven't looked at the rest of their schedule. I mean, I think it's certainly safe to say the ACC as a whole is not one of the three or four best Power Five leagues. But still, even with that said, like I don't think we'd be stunned at this point if Miami didn't go to a bowl game this year, which which I think would, would seem very unlikely. But, you know, the week before they played Florida. Right, and I will just say that I think had they not gotten that Hail Mary at the end of the first half, they don't come close to beating Virginia Tech uh, and, I, and not I, making I, that I comeback. I, I think mean, they didn't win either way, but I, but I still agree with what you're saying. Yep, Miami's schedule this week, home to Virginia, that's a Friday game, that's – I mean that's uh, right now Miami's a one and a half point favorite. I don't I don't get that, but um, okay. Uh, then they're home to Georgia Tech. Well, that's a W. They're at Pittsburgh. Oh, I'll give that a loss. They're at Florida State. That could be the game that makes or breaks Florida State's bowl chances. Uh, it's going to be an important game for both of those teams, and not for the reasons that they want it to be an important game. Right, and then Miami's got Louisville at home. They are at Florida International, so that'll be a home game, and then at Duke. So, I mean, the schedule's favorable for Miami, but they, I mean, I still see them maybe. I at, agree, it's favorable, but I don't think that there's four games there that you look at and say, "Oh, they're definitely going to win four. Right? They could. I think there's two of them. They're definitely going to win. But then, yep. but then it starts getting into you know, like, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, we've we've all flipped coins. There's times you get heads five or six times in a row on occasion. Yep. Uh, have we ever seen a defense as good as Wisconsin's has been so far? Now, granted, they have uh, beaten a fair share amount of cupcakes, like Kent State, but uh, and and Central Michigan. But I mean, what they did to Michigan a few weeks ago was very impressive. Their defense has given up 29 points so far through five games. I mean, it's been unreal what they've done so far. And Jonathan Taylor's running the ball at a historic pace. Uh, he's certainly a Heisman Trophy candidate. This Wisconsin team, I didn't think they were as good as what, as, you know, I didn't think they'd be as good as what they've shown right now, but they are awfully impressive. They look good. I think their defense is plenty good. I think that's the biggest reason why they're better last year. I know they're, they're better than they were last year. Last year they were kind of above average on defense which for them is not good. They've usually been really, really good for the last six or seven years. This year they're really, really good again, and that's the biggest thing. And especially with the ball control, we're going to pound it down your throats. If you make the other team go three and out and give you the ball right back, it's a lot easier to get more carries for your potential Heisman winning running back. But, but as good as they are, I, I don't think they're even, in, at least as of right now, in the conversation for the best 
three or four defenses in the past ten to fifteen years, and that's not not that's not sure. not Wisconsin. I mean, they're good, and I think they've got some guys that'll play on Sundays. But you know, I'll think more after they play. You know, I, I don't remember exactly who their cross division games are, but I think they play Ohio State. Uh, yes, in Columbus, yep. and and that'll that'll be a lot. I mean, if they hold Ohio State to fifteen points or less. Then we can go from they're really good to they're you know even to a bigger level and start talking about you know where they rank historically or I mean, just recent history. They but, they like, host as impressive as they are. I mean you know holding Michigan to ten. I mean Michigan doesn't look like, Michigan's defense. I think is pretty good. Their offense is not. They host Michigan State this week, and then they're at Columbus. They're at Ohio State on October twenty sixth. And then home to Iowa. Uh, then home to Iowa the following week. Uh, Illinois is sandwiched in there, so uh, it's going to be the 26th and the 9th of November. That's going to be really a, a make or break part for Wisconsin. Um, San Diego State beating. I think Wisconsin is going to pound Michigan State this yep. week, most notably. Yep. Because playing Ohio State and Wisconsin back to back weeks or vice versa. It's generally not a recipe for success from the Big Ten. At least there's a bye week in between there for them. Yeah, still though. I mean, yep. I, I agree. I, I I agree with that. Um, let's see here. I was just oh, um, San Diego State beating Weber State six nothing to begin the season comes to mind. But there has there been a worse game than Michigan beating Iowa ten to three in the most Michigan Iowa game I think you could ever imagine. This year or yeah, this year, this year, this year, this year, this year, no, this year at least, especially in games I've watched, I watched a large chunk of that game and it was uh, pretty gross. Uh, good thing that Dish uh, was in a blackout with or a disagreement with Fox, so I didn't have the option to watch <laughs> that game. That's the, probably like the one silver lining. Thank God that Dish and Fox are are back. In terms of worst games, what I want to bring up is in what year was it? it was either. The fall of 2004 or 2005, Iowa and Penn State played, and Iowa won 6-4. to four. Oh. Twice, Iowa purposely took a safety in its own end zone to not give Penn State good field position. Yeah. And that is how all 10 points were scored. So 6-4, to four, Iowa win. Uh, I bring that up because Iowa and Penn State played this weekend. Do you, maybe that happens again. Penn State has really kind of flown under the radar and now They've also been very good on defense. Yes, uh, Clifford's been very good at quarterback for them. But now people are saying like, "Hey, oh, Penn State's flown under the radar." Well, now people are talking about Penn State, and it, maybe it's in part because of this trip to Iowa City that they have to make. But how good is this Penn State squad? I'm hoping that maybe College Game Day will come to Minneapolis when Penn State visits the Gophers, assuming the Gophers don't trip up against Maryland, Illinois, or Rutgers, or your Cornhuskers here uh, this upcoming week. Uh, but how good is this Penn State team? Are they, should we take them seriously? Or, I mean, when they get into the gauntlet, uh, which is Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Will they fall back to earth a little bit? I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're at the. I mean, if I was going to do tiers of teams, I mean, my top tier would be in some not in a specific order, but would be you know Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma. You know, maybe 
maybe Florida in there also. Um, maybe not Florida. And then the next year after that probably would be like Florida and Wisconsin and Penn State that I think they're good enough that I think they could definitely win their conference. They could make the playoff. I don't think they're likely to win a national title because that's a whole other deal in a, a four-team playoff instead of a two-team playoff. So I, mean, I think Penn State's plenty good. But playing at Kennick Stadium, especially at night, is a large task. I know uh, uh, probably an even more talented Penn State, well, I think it was two years ago now, when uh, Penn State won there when they had Saquon Barkley and Tracy McSorley. Yes. And it still took a touchdown pass on the final play of the game just to leave Kennick with a win. Yep, that was a great game. I remember that watching was, that. Well, that was a pretty good game. Great ending, too. And yep. I would... I don't know if it's going to be as spectacular of an ending, but I think it'll probably be like that where it will be a low-scoring game that comes down to the end and whatever offense can find a way to generate points. You know, if you can get if you can get to 14, 14 might be enough. I think Penn State's going to win that game uh, just because I guess I haven't been truly impressed with Iowa yet this year. I mean, it, I mean they barely beat Iowa State in the, you know, the Cyhawk trophy game. Uh, which may be going away because of a band incident. But uh, I, I, I doubt that will happen, but we'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, they needed an Iowa State flub up there to win that one. To be fair, I, mean, I think Iowa State's good. I wouldn't say Iowa State's great, but, I mean, Iowa, this is not the Iowa State of six years ago. No, no. And at the same time, you know, I, I don't think Iowa's very good on offense, but I think, much, I mean, I think there are a lot of ways, like Michigan, they're, they're very good on defense. I'd be capable of holding Penn State to 10 or 14 points. And if you can hold anybody to 10 or 14 points at home at night, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have a chance. But that's why I think Penn State is ultimately going to win this game. Because I think Penn State, maybe their defense isn't quite as good as Iowa's, but their offense is better. And I think that will ultimately prevail. That's true. So I they got- definitely have more dudes on offense. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, do you think Minnesota gets the better uh, end of the your, the game against the Cornhuskers? Yeah, I think I think Minnesota's going to win. You know, it's supposedly it's going to be you know snowy and very crappy weather for October there. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that Minnesota is just basically going to look at the last few weeks of what Nebraska's done outside of a weird comeback against Illinois and be like, oh, Nebraska's not very good on offense. And they also shoot themselves in the foot a lot with turnovers. Let's just run the ball 60 times up the middle, wear out their defense. I think, I think Nebraska's defense is fine. It's not great. It definitely wasn't good against Ohio State, but most teams aren't. And they're fine on defense, and they'll just say, all right, we're just going to pound it up the middle for four yards of carry, and eventually, you know, the dam's going to break. And mm-hmm. I, I would imagine Minnesota's going to win something like 28-10, 28-13 and okay. a a pretty gross game. You know, if you're a Minnesota fan, you'll be happy that your Gophers come out on top. Mm-hmm. But again, that's not as close as the final score looks. Is Adrian Martinez going to play for the Huskers? I don't know. That's, a good, that's kind of a million-dollar question. My guess is that he will. The, the other thing, too, that kind of makes it a little extra tricky is that Nebraska's going to buy the week after the Minnesota game. So, I mean, if he's... And they don't really talk about injuries much under Scott Frost. So, I mean, if it's something where they think maybe wouldn't be good to go against Minnesota, but they could but could be a couple weeks later, you know, don't risk it, especially with a bye week. But my, my guess is that he's going to play. But at the same time, he's kind of having a sophomore slump season. I don't know if he's 
truly been terrible, but it's but it's not looked like he did last season, especially the last month of last season. Speaking of Scott Frost, UCF is uh, four and two. Um and I'm, I'm kind of curious why they keep starting a freshman at quarterback. I believe Brandon Wimbush is there, unless he's injured. I know they have, I know they've had quarterback injuries there before. But it, does it make sense for them if Brandon Wimbush is healthy? The North, uh, the Notre Dame transfer. Does it make sense for them not to play him and start a freshman instead? There must be something they like about the freshman instead. Wimbush is healthy. I mean. I don't know. You know, something, and a lot of transfers like Burrow, you know, or uh, the first one that was really good, Russell Wilson at Wisconsin, ah, work yes. out. But there's, but there's also plenty of them that don't. Also, and maybe, maybe, or, or maybe he just isn't good at what they want to do offensively. You know, maybe, maybe he's not good at making quick decisions or something like that. I don't know. Did you watch any of that SMU Tulsa game last week? I didn't see it. I or I didn't see it live. I've seen the big. The big important plays, um, especially the uh, uh, Tulsa getting the the touchdown on the kickoff, yes. the kicking team with yes. no time going <laughs> off the clock. Oh my! I think I've seen in video games. I've definitely never seen in real life. Though. Oh man, that's just crazy! And for SMU to come back there, get the win, that was uh, incredible for them. They're 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 on a high right there at uh, SMU. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, it's, Real quick on yeah. SMU. Or, uh, ponder, I'm pondering something out loud. Okay. Your guy, Christian Ponder, because yes. I know how much you love that. Yes. Oh, he's my I idol. SMU's undefeated. Yes. Yes, they are. Story-wise, I mean, this is the team that, you know, got the death penalty, mm-hmm. didn't go to a bowl for forever. I think it was under June Jones and like, the 2000 aughts or early 20-teens, they finally went to a couple bowl games. Yep. But haven't been, I mean, they've been okay at times, but not particularly good. Just story-wise, and, and I realize this is unlikely to happen, SMU, group of five team that goes to one of the major bowl games this year, what kind of storyline does that do for you? Um, you know, it, it would be significant for the historical purposes, but as a team, they, they don't do anything for me. Does that... You know, like with with Western Michigan, they had a lot of flair with you know with PJ Fleck and uh, you know the, the Corey Davis, the wide receiver, was on that team. Like Western Michigan, plus it was a Jamari team from Bogan. Yeah, that's that, just the only other name <laughs> I remember from that team. Plus it was a team from the MAC. You're like, oh my gosh, a team from the MAC? How good are they? And then they actually they they played Wisconsin pretty tough in that Cotton Bowl, if I remember correctly. I think that was who they played, right? Wisconsin. Yeah, it was Wisconsin. If I remember right, Wisconsin won by like ten or fourteen. It was a pretty close game. Yeah, um, this SMU team just doesn't have that uh, flair or draw for me. But for the historical purposes, that given the death penalty that they received in the eighties, this would be perhaps one of the more stunning turnaround or results that I think we've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it worked out. And then also, I mean, it would depend who they play. But, I mean, you talk about an SMU, Notre Dame, New Year's Six game. I mean, I would imagine that could be. I mean, it could be pretty entertaining. Oh, yes. It could be be a Hawaii-Georgia game where it's it's eight minutes into the game clockwise and you're just like, yep, this game's over. This is going to be a bloodbath. Right. No, so I I think, again, for the historical purposes, yes. But would I prefer them in over... 
you know, Central Florida who's who's not getting in this year. But uh, or like a, did you, uh, a Boise did you State. see the thing on Twitter that after Cincinnati beat Central Florida, they sent the uh, the Disney Magic Kingdom thing that instead of writing out Walt Disney in the script Disney cursive, it said you hate to see that or something. Oh, I didn't see that. No, you'll have to check that out on Twitter at some point. It, it's it's pretty funny. Well, too bad Pitt didn't uh, create uh, "We Beat the National Champion" T-shirts. That was a missed opportunity on their part. Uh, staying in in uh, the state of Texas, how good is Baylor? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't think they were all that good. I don't know how great Kansas State is. I think Kansas State's at least decent, and they won handily over Kansas State. So, I mean, you know, we thought, and I think a lot of people thought, for good reason, that you know, with Hart Riles and the problems they had at Baylor and all that stuff and getting rid of players and the whole coaching staff leaves that Baylor would maybe kind of pretty quickly fall into irrelevancy. Worst case scenario for just Baylor football trying to rebuild itself, they've been better much quicker than I thought they would be. And then uh, the Pac-12 has really shot themselves in the foot with some bad losses like Washington State losing to UCLA, then Washington losing at home to Cal, and then at Stanford last week. Oregon's Washington could be the other team, I said, for team that's disappointing so far sure. this year. Yep, yep, no no question about it. Though that, that Cal game with the weather and stuff, I don't hold that against them. Um they, they should have won the game because they're better than Cal, no question about it. But uh, And Stanford, too. Stanford's a bad team this year. Uh, Stanford might not even make a bowl I mean, game. we thought so, but they just beat Washington. That's Maybe very that's true. They that's very to true. get their season back on the rails. Oregon is the Pac-12's only hope. And do Why we do you still think the one-loss Arizona team that lost to wide open the season is going to get it done and run the table the rest of the way? I I don't think. I don't either. I'm being sarcastic. Well, yeah. I, I you know what? If they only have one loss, that's great. But they're not a playoff team. I think Oregon is the you know what their one loss being to Auburn would have a real shot. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I mean, you have to go to Washington. You have. To go to USC still, you have to go to Arizona State. It's a, it's a difficult road ahead for the Ducks, but that's really the Pac-12's only hope. Yeah, I mean, if Arizona did win out, I mean, I think they would have a shot, but I don't think they will. I mean, I think Kevin Sumlin's shown that most seasons that he's going to lose about five games. And I think Oregon is good enough to run the table the rest of the way, but I don't think they will. I mean, I think they're good, but it's so tough to just say, like, we lost the first game and now we've got to rattle off 12 straight wins, including the conference title. And while they've got some dudes, I mean, Morgan doesn't have dudes like Clemson does, you know, where you could just say, yeah, we're going to show up and, you know, didn't play well against North Carolina and still won. But, but like, I, I don't think Morgan can just say, well, we're just going to show up and win. What uh, what team in the SEC has the perhaps most murderous road to go down uh, the rest of the season here. I think a case could be made. anybody or of teams that like have a chance to possibly win a division? Um, I guess we'll go the latter because, question. Because if you go of anybody, it's just going to be whoever's the worst two teams in each division because they've got to play everybody right. that's better than them. Yeah, let's cast aside the Arkansas and Vanderbilts of the world here. 
Uh, I mean, Auburn just had to go to Florida last week. They have to go to LSU. They have to. They host Georgia. They host Alabama. Uh, I mean, that's about Auburn as. Auburn was going to be the one I said because I know that they only play in the SEC. The two divisions only play two games against the other division, mm-hmm. and uh, in Auburn's two this year are Georgia and Florida, which I think it's safe to say are probably the two best teams in the SEC East. And Florida uh, has Alabama plays Tennessee because they play Tennessee every year, and I forget who the other one is. Uh, like maybe South Carolina. Yeah, that's some. It's some bad team. I mean, it, which, it, it, yeah, I mean it's so. But just basically to say that. I s- Auburn has a much more difficult schedule than Alabama does. I saw an interesting article. I think it was on CBS Sports, and it was more just hypothetical. But because they're talking about the ridiculousness of the SEC scheduling with like Alabama and Georgia not playing, but once or twice, like once every decade or something. But yet Alabama gets to play Tennessee and and losers like that. Um, that maybe they should scrap the divisions in the SEC, still have like three common opponents, three rivalry games that you would play, but then just rotate through the other teams so you get to play them like once every other year or twice in a six-year period. Would that... Do you... Yeah, that's something that's been kind of building up for the last few years to go to that instead of divisions. Because divisions... I think you can do divisions right. I think the Big 12 probably when Nebraska and Texas A&M and Missouri and Colorado's were still there. Yep. I think that was the best way that they had, you know, there's 12 teams and obviously, you know, you're not going to play yourself. So you have eight conference games, you play the other five teams in your division and then you play half the teams from the other division for two straight years, once at home, once on the road and then the other two, or the other three teams in the next two years. So it's balanced. So over four years, you're going to play everyone in your division twice you're going to play everyone in the other division twice, uh, once at home and once on the road. But the, the, the biggest problem is that since conferences are expanding, so you have more teams in your division and you have to play everyone in your division, um, so you can't play as many from the other division. Then. Right. And the, biggest, and the biggest problem with the SEC is that they have the, the permanent crossover, so there's only one that changes each year. Right. And they don't do it, so... They don't do it so, okay, you're going to play this team this year and this team this year, and then over six years play them each once, and that's how, you know. So maybe, I mean, that's something that that for sure. They haven't played for like 11 straight years or something like that. So So I think that some conference, I think, in the next five years is probably going to go to that. I guess sort of like how the Big Ten used to be before Nebraska joined, but with the difference being that you're going to have. A, you're going to have permanent cross or permanent rivals you play every year, obviously. But then the big difference is that there's a conference championship game at the end, right? So you don't get the 2002 Ohio State Iowa, where Ohio State's undefeated, Iowa's got one loss, but it's a non-conference game, and then they never play each other. They would have been met in the conference title. So I, I mean, I think that's how all all these Power Five conferences should go, um, go away from the divisions. I don't know if it ever will, but. Uh, I, I, Part of me kind of likes divisions, depending on the conference. I mean, with the SEC, it's more problematic because they just never play the other teams. Right. Or like the Big, the Big Ten, Ten with nine East. conference games, and you don't have permanent crossovers. I think there is enough of a, you know, we play teams. Like, I yep. know, now, to be fair, Nebraska's been in the conference since 2011, and just this year, they're finally going to play Indiana and Lincoln for the first time. 
So you still get some of that, but not to the same degree. But I, I, I think at some point in the next five years, one conference is going to do that. And then it's not going to take very long for the other conferences to say, like, yeah, you know what, I think we're going to do this. Too. Well, I think it's worked out fairly well for the Big 12. Now, granted, they only have 10 teams in there versus 14 like the SEC and the Big 10 and the ACC do. But, you know, I mean, as long as you have a conference championship game and you take the top two teams, it's fine. And it sucks for the for the schools. Yeah, and that, that used to be the problem with the Big Ten before they had 12. But right. Like, yeah, like you said, when there's a conference title game at the end of the year, then it, it, that's not really an issue. Anymore. And, and no offense, but it, it doesn't it suck for Indiana and Rutgers and Maryland and stuff that you would have to play the juggernauts of the, the Big Ten East every single year and you have no chance. I mean, you, you just don't. And that's why I think uh, it would not surprise me. It, do you think Rutgers leaves the Big Ten here? Because they're just so bad at everything. I don't think Rutgers is going to leave the Big Ten ever on their own volition. Do you think they'll get so ousted? Much more money. They're making so much more money that I think they won't care and they will stay. Now, now the other schools in the Big Ten, you know, I know many years ago, the Big East kicked Temple out of the conference because they were awful for a long stretch. I think it's very possible that the other Big Ten schools could decide to get rid of Rutgers at some point because they're bad and I don't think they're ever going to be consistently good. I mean, they may occasionally, you know, find a way to win six games, but like even when, I think it was 2014 when Rutgers and Maryland first joined and I think Rutgers won seven or eight games that first year, Mm -hmm. but that was when, you know, Michigan wasn't very good. Penn State wasn't very good. It basically, outside of Ohio State and Michigan State, nobody in the Big Ten East was any good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think it's safe to say, well, maybe they're not all top ten powers, but that Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State are all much more in line with how they normally are, as opposed to when Rutgers first joined and found a way to win seven games that first year. I will say this. If Drake Schiano gets the job with Rutgers, and if he can turn them into a, a you know, a winner, a consistent winner, um, then yes, Rutgers can stay. But if Greg Schiano comes back and he can't even do the job, then Rutgers needs to go. Go to the AAC. Go to. It's it's also <laughs> worth noting that when 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 uh, Schiano did what he did, that was when Rutgers was in the Big East, and it was not the Big East when they had you know. I mean, he was there when Miami and Virginia Tech were there, yep. but it wasn't until they left that it was basically Louisville and West Virginia, and that was it. Yep. That was when Rutgers started saying, you know what, we're going to win eight games. And I'm not saying it's impossible. You know, New Jersey's in a good location recruiting-wise to get good players. But but when Rutgers was good, they didn't have to play, you know, four top 25 teams every year. And depending on who they would play from the West Division, whether there's uh, divisions or not, I mean, you're potentially looking at a, a conference schedule where you're playing six or seven top 25 teams, which they never had to deal and uh, that would make uh, that would bring most schools outside of the top seven or eight to their knees very quickly. Absolutely, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Do uh, you want to play a couple of games here? I would love to. Okay. Well, Helen A. in Montana tweeted at me earlier and said, "Hey, when's a uh, bullbound or not going to come back?" And 
said it, it's coming here Helen uh, so just be patient and and it is and when will they is also making a triumphant return uh, we'll start with when will they I, Sheldon in Iowa was very concerned oh yes about, uh, when will yeah. they. yes um, and please tell Sheldon in Iowa when you see him that uh, we appreciate I will, him I'll listening. See him tomorrow. good good uh, we appreciate him listening as he always uh, as he always does so uh, appreciate that as always Norman in Oklahoma has also been a big fan throughout the years so uh, we appreciate all the folks that keep coming back to us uh, we'll start with when will they and there I believe are 12 undefeated teams and uh, 4 or 5 winless teams only so I will have you just pick a conference and we'll pick one team that's got a winning uh, that's undefeated there and if they have a Winless team will pick them as well. Uh, but give me a conference. Let's go close to home and start with the Big Ten. Big Ten, okay. Uh, no winless teams in the Big Ten. Rutgers has tried their damnedest, uh, but they, they've they been unsuccessful to this point. Northwestern and Purdue also have one win, so that's great. Uh, we have four undefeated teams in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Penn State in the East, Minnesota and Wisconsin in the West. So let's go with... I'll go ahead and tell you, Minnesota's first loss is Penn State. That's that's when they're going to lose their first game. Okay, okay. Um, how about... Okay. Which I think they'd be 7-0 or 8-0 then. Yes, yes. Uh, they would be 9-0, I think. No, 8-0, no. 8-0. No. no. I'll, let, me, let me pull them up here. Quick, uh, they have Nebraska this it's week. Nebraska, who's who then, maybe I think is okay, but not yep, great. Yep. And then the other teams that aren't that great. The Ru- Rutgers and Maryland. So yes, they would be eight and zero facing yeah. Penn I State. I think that will be when they lose their first game to Penn State. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go to another conference then. Uh, let's go with the Big Twelve. Big Twelve. Okay. Uh. Boy, no winless teams here, but we have Baylor and Oklahoma undefeated. So let's pick Baylor. They are home to Texas Tech on the 12th, uh, so this Saturday. They're at Oklahoma State. They're home to West Virginia. They're at TCU. They're home to Oklahoma, home to Texas, and at Kansas. Charlie Hildebrand, when will Baylor lose their first game? They're going to go undefeated. Just kidding. It's two weeks when they play at Oklahoma State. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah, another conference. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of a conference with somebody that's winless. I know both Oregon State and UCLA have won in the Pac-12, so I can't pick them. Um, and the Pac-12 has no undefeated teams either. So Yeah, that's right. So, they, yeah, so that doesn't work regardless. Um you know what? Let's go independent. Ooh, very good. Uh, no undefeated teams here, but there is a winless team. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that. Sorry, you're correct. I keep forgetting that Notre Dame lost to Georgia in week two or three. Yeah. I've forgotten that like five times this year. Very good game that was. Very good game Yeah. Uh, that Notre Dame ultimate lost. But New Mexico State is winless. They're 0-6. They are at Central Michigan at Georgia Southern, at Ole Miss, home to Incarnate Word, home to UTEP, and at Liberty. 
Charlie Hildebrand, when will New Mexico State win a game? As much as I'd love to say it was against Ole Miss, that would be quite funny. I don't think it's going to be then. They're going to have to wait a little bit longer, and I'm going to say it's incarnate word. On my birthday, November 16th, what a birthday gift that would be. Uh, maybe the most treasured birthday present you've ever got. That yeah. team from New Mexico winning. Okay. Yes, against incarnate word of all teams. Yeah. Okay, uh, give me one more, and we'll, we'll see what we got. Uh, let's go. Let's go with the SEC. The SEC. They won't let me be. They tried to shut me down on MTV. No winless teams here, but four undefeated teams: Florida and Georgia in the East, Alabama and LSU in the West. What team would you like? Um. Well, these aren't the two teams I want. But I'll give you a bonus one. Florida's going to lose at LSU. All right, there and we go. LSU's good. And LSU's going to play better, but LSU's going to lose when they play Alabama because that's LSU's destiny in the last yep. six years. So let's go with Georgia. Georgia has uh, their home to South Carolina this week, home to Kentucky the following week. The great, uh, the largest cocktail party in the world, though they don't call that anymore, against Florida then on November 2nd. Home to Missouri at Auburn, home to Texas A&M at Georgia Tech. I think they're going to beat Florida in the cocktail party. That's not a cocktail party anymore. Though it should Although be. Florida, I mean, Florida's looked, looked pretty good at times this year. I think they're going to lose at Auburn. They're going to, it's going to be one of those weird Florida, or Florida, sorry, Georgia-Auburn games. I don't know if it's going to be like the one where Auburn has, you know, has 4th and 28 and has the deflected pass for a touchdown to win. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think Auburn's going to find a way to make the game gross and win with special teams and turnovers, and which I think is Georgia's second to last, second or third to last game of the year. Uh, third to last, because they have. Yeah, they've been its FCS team and then Georgia Tech. No, they have uh, the Texas A&M and then Georgia Tech. That's be- interesting. Yeah, because well, they for Georgia for not for actually having a real game the week before they play. Well, it, it's, I f- I think it's because of the Notre Dame game that they had um, ah, before. That makes sense. So yeah, um, for for what it's worth, there. All right, let's uh, let's do a little bull bound or not here. I, guess, I mean, we don't. There are a lot of teams that have a chance here at a bowl game and not, but uh, let's just try the MAC. First, because the MAC might not have anyone outside of Toledo bowl eligible. I'm just kidding. They might have two Western Michigan and East, and we'll throw Eastern Michigan in as well. But the entire MAC East, the there two, two wins leads the MAC East right now. Kent State, Miami, Ohio, Ohio, Buffalo, all with two wins. Bowling Green and Akron. Uh, one win and zero wins, respectively. And Toledo leads at four and one there. So let's pick a team out of the MAC uh, to look at and see if they're bull bound or not. What team would you like? Let's go with uh, Frank Solich's Ohio Bobcats. Okay, Ohio, two and three so far. They are home to Northern Illinois, a one and four Northern Illinois team. Home to two and three Kent State. At two and three Ball State. Home to two and three Miami Ohio, home to three and three Western Michigan, at one and four Bowling Green, and at zero and five Akron. Charlie Hildebrand is Ohio bull bound or not? 
I think they are. I think they win five of those to get to seven wins. Yeah, that is a pretty weak sauce schedule. I'm not going to lie. They're, I, I mean, if you're going to have a tough schedule, I mean, you know, that's the, the benefit of having a front-loaded one is, I mean, you get that experience. And then, yeah, you know, use it to your advantage at the end of the year. They're two, the two games at the end of the year are against the worst teams in the, the MAC, the Bowling Green and Akron. That's incredible. Uh, scheduling people, they knew what they were doing. Oh, let's see here. Uh, what's, an, uh, what's another conference you want to look at? Uh, let's do the Pac-12, since we could not do it for the first game. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We got, uh, you know what? We're going to go with Washington State, because they are 3-2 and two right now, but things have gotten a little dicey in Pullman here. You know, you lose it. You said uh, your guy, the former uh, Minnesota head coach, interim head coach, the real head coach, Tracy was their Clay? defensive coordinator that just resigned. Oh, did he? Well, I, when you give up 67 to UCLA, who hasn't scored 67 combined points in their other games this year. That is the only game <laughs> UCLA's won this year. Yes, uh, you probably should resign. So you or so Washington State. And three UCLA, not bowl bound. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Chip Kelly might be pink slip bound uh, yeah. at this point. But Washington State is at Arizona State. Home to Colorado, at Oregon, at Cal, home to Stanford, home to Oregon State, and at Washington. They need to win three of those games. Charlie Hildebrand, is uh, Washington State bowl bound or not? I didn't think I was going to say this when we were doing this, but as you started listing those off, it's like, well, I don't think they're going to win at Arizona State. I don't think they're going to beat Stanford. I've got them with five wins going into the final game of the year against Washington. And Wazoo would have to break a long... Streak. I don't. I don't remember how many in a row Washington's won over Washington State, but it's more than three or four, and they're going to have to win that to uh, to get to a bowl game. Then I and really, says, even though he's goofy and funny, and I kind of like Michael Leach, I don't think I don't think they're going to go to a bowl game. The the I would. I really hope they do, but I like you. I, I mean, hopefully they can beat Stanford. I wouldn't mind seeing Stanford not in a bowl game this year. Um, the best press conference I've seen this year is when. Mike Leach was going through the Pac-12 mascots, determining which one was the best, and talked about Harry Potter fans needing to help with what powers a Sun Devil had. That's that's your favorite one. It's not Mike Gundy explaining Donkey Kong. And oh, how his quarterback was was like on level uh, of level two of Donkey Kong, and you have to get to level three, and that's when you're really good. You know what? I haven't heard that one yet. Maybe I should. Uh, I shouldn't just. I need. I can't yeah. just crown Mike Leach, but uh, that that Pac-12 mascot thing was pretty good. It's crazy that Mike Gundy and uh, Michael Leach used to be in the same conference, and it's too bad they aren't anymore. He can't right. play once a year, saying so goofy stuff back and forth. I, I wish they could, no doubt about it. Uh, a couple more teams here, and we'll wrap it up. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll try and get you on here more throughout the season. Maybe do an every other week sort of deal, uh, and that would mean that we- works. I mean, and then you know, I mean, we can do it on whatever day you want. I'll be free in the evening. Now, so I can do it whatever, whatever you need except Friday night. Right? Yeah, that, that, that's we an, do have to do some high school football and basketball stuff on Friday night. You know so what? That, that, that That's an important uh, time there. We, we get that. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we certainly will have a few more teams that will know more about, you know, whether they're bull bound or not. But let's do a couple more. Give me a couple more conferences. Let's go with the Big Ten again. Okay. The uh, Big Ten. Let's go with uh, Indiana. Three and two right now. They're three and two. Uh, 
They are home to Rutgers at Maryland, home to Nebraska, or at Nebraska, home to Northwestern at Penn State, home to Michigan, and at Purdue. Is Indiana bowl bound or not? I'm going to preface this with I hope that one of their wins is not against my Cornhuskers. And I think they would need that one to get to six. I don't think they're going to get to six. I'm going to say no for it. Okay. I'm going to say they get to five, and then they're going to lose. What I feel like always happens every year, that Purdue and Indiana are both going to be five six. Bowl eligibility is going to be on the line. Purdue is going to win. Purdue has so many injuries right now that I think Indiana's going to have five wins at that point, and they're going to beat Purdue for that sixth win. They're going to beat Northwestern, and they're going to beat uh, Rutgers wow. as well. Yeah, that could definitely happen. North, I mean, Northwestern is bad this year. They are bad. To be fair, I think Northwestern's defense is fairly good, but their offense, and, and this is saying something, they may have the worst offense in the Big Ten. Oh. I don't say that lightly because that means something, but their offense is atrocious. All right, final team, final conference. Let's go with the ACC. The ACC. The spin the wheel of destiny conference. Okay, geez, everyone's at three wins in this conference. Let's go Virginia Tech because uh, Hokies got a, my Hokies got a big win against Miami, but they have been all over the place here so far. They are home to Rhode Island this week. Travis Crin sniped them from me in our bull, in our uh, college pick'em. Uh, not very happy about that. Which, by the way, I think you're in second. So uh, congratulations there so far. Uh, uh, they're home to North Carolina after that. Then they're at Notre Dame, home to Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech, home to Pitt, and at Virginia. Charlie Hildebrand, is Virginia Tech bull bound or not? I'd say, but I don't think they are. I think they're going to have five going into the game against Virginia. And I think Virginia's going to win. I think it's weird that Virginia's maybe is better now than Virginia Tech. <laughs> But, I don't think it's going to be permanent, but I think they will be this year. But Foster in his last year is not going to get to a bowl game. That's sad. That is sad. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, well, uh, thanks to everyone for chiming in, and we'll be playing this game throughout the rest of the college football season because the college football season after this week is half done. Where is the season gone? Where has the season gone? I know this happens every year, and that's one of the reasons why we'll be excited to have. Saturdays off so I can see more of it because it stinks when you miss half to three quarters of the games of the day and then realize that the season's half over. Or now I'll still be sad, but I'll at least be like, oh yeah, I watched all this. Very, very good. Charlie, always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, good luck with the move down to Sheldon, and uh, maybe the next week uh, or the next time we talk, uh, you'll be in a, you'll be a Sheldonite in Iowa. So, uh, um, best luck. Scary with- thought living in Iowa again. <laughs> Best of luck, and uh, we'll talk in a, we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand joining us here. Always appreciate his time. As always, great college football insight. Hope you hopefully enjoyed that talk. And bull bound is or not is back. Uh, when will they? That's the new edition that we brought here a couple years ago. That's back, um, and we'll get a few more of those throughout the year. We're gonna talk. Hockey maybe next with Marcus Traxler? Hopefully. The puck's dropped on the season. Do that. Make some picks and predictions for week six in the NFL. We'll wrap it all up. Or we'll do we'll talk hockey, hopefully. We'll make some picks and wrap up. 
this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, found on podcast.com, as well as through Twitter at Indy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Marcus, hopefully, and picks coming up next, Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, the puck has dropped on the NHL season, and that means it's time to bring in our resident Barry Melrose, Mr. Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stack, and how are you? Good, good. The puck's dropped on the NHL season, and uh, the Wild have lost two to, to begin the year, so their season's done. Um, I guess we really <laughs> don't even need to talk about them, right? You're, you're cutting out a little bit for oh, me. I, uh, I'm sorry. They... they uh, I think I saw uh, their their over under for points on the season was eighty six and a half, and you know obviously they played two of what people think are probably going to be the, two of the better teams in the West yep. uh, this this year. But um, you know difficult start uh, considering that they had jumped up uh, on Nashville and uh, had played relatively evenly with Colorado, and they don't get wins in either of those games. And these first, yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about these first. 25 games or so they play a ton of road games so yep uh, we're gonna find out just how good this team is right off the bat and if they don't play well in that stretch they might be sunk if they played only two periods in hockey the wild would be just fine it's that third period that's giving them some trouble that's, uh, that's correct yeah uh and we'll get to them in a little bit here let's just start with the wild i mean i i was fortunate to go to get to go to a preseason game at the x and they played colorado and they looked pretty good and then you know just seeing how they were doing at dallas you know a win in dallas regardless if it's the preseason or not that's pretty good so my my expectations rose a little bit i'm still wasn't going to make it put them in the playoffs but thought like okay maybe this team can be competitive uh, mix of veterans along with some decent young players, so it's a whole hodgepodge. But Fenton's gone, thank God. Uh, what what are the expectations for this team? I think they're going to make the playoffs, and uh, based on what I've seen through two games, it could be a long season. I think it's going to be tough. I, I'm on the side that thinks they're going to make the playoffs too, but I think it's going to be just barely. I mean, I, th- I think they're going to be the eighth team, you know, in the field if if that happens. Or they're going to be right on the fringe and, and be left out. I just, um, you know, they do have some some talented players. I, I think the offseason acquisitions, you know, I don't know that Matt Zuccarello, uh, his contract is going to look real great even within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ryan Hartman is a, a smart player. You know, they have to, they're going to have to do a lot of juggling. It, it just feels like this lineup may, may not be settled all year, and that's a difficult position to be in. But, you know, their top four defensemen are really good. Yes. You look at the guys they have. Uh, Dumba's back. They've got Suter, who's great. Spurgeon uh, signed up. Spurgeon's a great player, yeah. So they they have some really good defenders. If those guys can sort of key things a little bit, I think they're going to be in good shape. I don't think – I think Jason Zucker's going to have a lot better year than he had last year. He was on the low side as far as goal scoring. Um you know, a healthy Parisi will, will go a long way this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how everything's going to work at the center position. I mean, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Nico Koivu is, is near the end of his line, and, and you could argue that the two-year contract, contract extension that Fenton made was one of the weirder moves yep. in his time. So um, they're in a they're in a pretty peculiar spot. Obviously, Devin du, Devin Dumick holds the keys on this as well. Yep, and uh, I think they're going to be a fringe team. They're going to be. I mean, this is a really good division as it has been for a lot of years. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that Chicago and Minnesota 
are the two teams at the bottom of the the ladder here. You know, yep. you just put everybody else up top. People really liked uh, Colorado last year. They liked them again this year. Nashville's going to be good. Um, Dallas will be good. And St. Louis is the defending champion. So yep. there's just it's going to be a lot of competition here um, to try to make some headway in this division. If if they can do that, I think they're, they've got a decent shot. You mentioned Zucker. You you expect to have a bounce back year. Uh, I do as well because the trade winds aren't swirling around him. Fenton's not dangling him out there and saying, "Oh yeah, he, you know, we're going to try and trade him for Phil Kessel from the Penguins or anything like that." But I will say regarding Zach Parise, I mean, he was healthy last year, and it's and it stinks that we've wasted a a solid year that he had, a full year that he's healthy on a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Uh, we'll see if it happens this year. I do think, though, Fenton being out is going to be a huge relief to this team. And I hope that Bruce Boudreaux isn't on you know, thin ice, uh, pun intended, I guess. Right. Um, because he is one of the better coaches out there, but he is dealing with a whole hodgepodge of stuff. I mean, this, this team could go one way or the other, and I hope that no quick triggers get pulled. I hope they... Let him coach throughout the year. I hope that he comes back next year because I do think he's one of the better coaches. But this is just a really weird makeup of the team. Yeah, I, I think he's probably safe at least till the end of the year. You know, I, I think this is a in, in part because of when he got hired. Bill Guerin, the new GM, is going to have to be an evaluation mode. I, I don't think he can just you know twenty games in if they're bad pull the trigger on Bruce Boudreaux. Then what do you do? You right. Know, I, I guess that it, that just sort of instigates this full full rebuild, but you know, while they're in this really weird spot where Craig Leopold doesn't want to tear down the whole franchise, I don't think the fans deep down want that either. No. And uh, with the salaries they have, they can't do that. So they're just kind of in this really difficult position. You mentioned Parisi. Parisi and Suter all do it. Identical 13-year, $98 million contracts. Mm-hmm. They're at the halfway point. This is the start of year seven. So those guys, like you said, you maybe wasted a year of Parisi last year, um, and he's not getting any younger. So it will be interesting. I think those are kind of the two players um, that I'm going to watch very closely because Zach Parise, I don't think, wants to just play out the string for the while. I'm sure he likes it here, but if they're not going to be any good, he may want to move. And, right. You know, finding a partner that's going to maybe take him is going to be a challenge with that type of contract. Suter was the guy who, you know, did, did, had you know very subtly had been doing a lot of chirping, it seems like, about uh, the direction of his team. So... Um, and there have been rumors about you know him being kind of uh, demanding. So where exactly does he fit in? I, I think he's more likely to be the one that stays. I, I don't think he's going to move, but uh, it's clear that, that he's uh, he wants to see this team do well. So yep. they're balancing some some different factors. I, I don't think it's to the point where it's a, a locker room problem or anything. But um, something to keep an eye on. A lot of different competing interests here that that probably make things interesting. Yep. Uh, the GM you mentioned, Bill Guerin. Uh, I really like the hire. What do you make of it? I think it's great. I, I think um, you know they. You could it is awful as Paul Fenton ended up being. I think it's fair to say he was awful. Yes. You could see where they were going with that, right? Leopold was hiring a guy who was in the organization he was in before he got the wild, mm-hmm. um, a guy who, you know, Nashville it was built from the bottom up, and you would think that Paul Fenton would be able to figure that out. He yep. didn't. He had no idea. Uh, you, again, dip into another, uh, Bill Guerin's been in a few more spots, but dip into a, a 
program has been as good as you could ask, Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, and with the benefit of some really good players in Malkin and, and Crosby. Um, and I think Bill Guerin has the right idea of what Minnesota is looking for. You know, he has an idea who these players are. Um, he has an idea of what kind of challenges Minnesota faces. But this is still probably a good job just because, um, you know, the fan support's always going to be there. Uh, this is a team that's, you know, always going to have a desire to win. They're not going to be in complete tank mode. So um, I think those things are appealing. I hope that he finds some sort of way to get acclimated. I think we won't see the fruits of whatever he wants to do as a GM until this next offseason. I would you know, agree. I, I, think, I think it's it's going to be hard to make any moves um, for for this year. And, and I would also say I appreciate that Craig, Craig Leopold just admitted that he made a mistake in the hire and just cut uh, Fenton loose. You know, no yep. sense in hanging on to him. It would be grand. He only worked for one year, and you look dumb, and you got to pay him for however much longer. But I think it's fair to say that was the right thing. I mean, the guy yep. was an asshole, and it was <laughs> not treating you know people the way that they wanted to be treated, that sort of thing. And uh, you just move on. And um, but, I think in a lot of ways that makes sense. But here's the thing with firing Fenton when Leopold did. Yes, it's great that he admitted the mistake and got and cut ties with him before the the culture of the right. within the organization could get any worse. But in the exit interviews with the players after the season was over, I would think that Leopold would have gotten a sense of that that yeah, this wasn't right. And just looking at the trades and stuff, you know, not getting additional draft picks, like just doing straight up player for player, but Again, just overall the the player aspect, it it to me it just seems like they they, they should have realized this right away and cut ties with him before the draft and everything. I I agree, and I think one of the main issues here is that you know, Fenton, um, or excuse me, Leopold, obviously a pretty hands-on owner, but um, I know he had had. I can't recall what it was, but he had had some surgeries. He's maybe a little out of pocket, mm-hmm. and and then I think this all kind of got to him, and he's you know kind of putting the pieces together on the type of attitude that's being reported back to him. He's like, you know, this isn't working out. So I think you know there was maybe this this sense where he wasn't uh, there every day, but he was being updated to the point where he's you know finding out okay, this is this is not what we want. Right. So. Uh, the Central, again, is going to be the most difficult division, arguably, in, in hockey of the four. Uh, St. Louis, the defending Stanley Cup champions, are there. Winnipeg, I think, is going to take a step back. There seems to be a little dysfunction up there. Like, I, I mean, Dustin Bufflin went AWOL uh, with the team. They, they have some players that they didn't sign necessarily. So Winnipeg, I think, is going to take a step back. Dallas will be good. But really... It, you got to focus on Colorado and Nashville. Though even Nashville losing PK Subban, trading him to the Devils, I think that's you know a subtraction for the team. Obviously, I think that'll hurt them a little bit. To me, Colorado is the team to beat in this division. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, and they're going to take that additional step forward. I really think Colorado is uh, incredibly dangerous this year. Yeah, I, I think I would generally agree. You know, I think it's one of these things where Colorado seems like they've been knocking on the door for a while. Seems like all the pieces are there. I, I think at worst, you know, they're, they're certainly a playoff team. Uh, so you put them in the picture. Um, I think St. Louis will be good again. I think they're, they're probably a playoff team mm-hmm. without much question. But, you know, hard to know exactly, right? This seems like a team that definitely overachieved uh, second, second half of the season. And yep. 
getting into the playoffs and then winning the whole darn thing. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I still like Nashville. I think, you know, I don't think the Subban trade uh, changes the landscape too too much for them. Um, and you mentioned Winnipeg uh, with the Buffalo thing, and they, they also traded uh, one of their best defensemen, Jacob Truba, to the Rangers. So mm-hmm. um, it, is a, it is an interesting situation for Winnipeg to see where exactly is this going because this is a team that um, they, I think they thought their window was going to be super wide open. Uh, with Patrick Lyon. And now you can kind of look at them and say, that window might be starting to close. You know, yep. where uh, is he going to be a guy that wants to stay in Winnipeg? And, and uh, I mean, it's Winnipeg. We we uh, we know where they stand in the uh, probably the rankings of the cities in the NHL. So, um, you know, Dallas is probably that outlier that I, I really, you know, I would assume they're going to be good. And they were another team that really figured it out uh, after the uh, team president, you know, uh, cussed out all the, the top players. So, yep. um, and I think Chicago's going to be at the bottom of the total pole just because there's too many other teams. So you can kind of look at that and say, where exactly is the Wild? You know, if Winnipeg is a team that takes a step back, okay, that's two teams with Chicago and Winnipeg. Yep. You know, is Minnesota able to be in front of them? Can they jump Dallas at all? If they do jump somebody, who is that team? Is St. Louis, can they jump St. Louis? Who knows? So, um, like we said, uh, we're going to have to watch closely. Normally, I'm a guy who picks up. Uh, the NHL in, in probably November or around Thanksgiving. Uh, this might be a year where you gotta you really gotta pay attention to that first month because it's gonna be big for a while. Yep, absolutely. And you know, if you're in last place in the Central or any division for that matter, come January third, just remember the Blues were in last place last year <laughs> and ended up winning the Cup. And by the way, the Blues retiring Gloria is probably one of the worst decisions that that franchise will ever make. I did not catch that. Yeah, they apparently they raised the banner, uh, the Stanley Cup banner last week. They played Gloria one more time, and apparently they're done with it. Uh, that to me is a very, very poor decision on the Blues organization. Wow, I actually don't mind that at all. I think it's kind of a it's kind of a like an insane idea to keep this song from uh, thirty five years ago that you don't really have any connection with otherwise. Right, um, as your song, but. I, I um, guess and, you and also like it, it, did they actually raise the banner that says like Gloria up? I Raptors too. I don't. I they might have. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like that was on the banner you know, uh, in yep. some in some fashion. Yep. Um, and just saying that was our championship team. If we you know, there's nothing saying you can't ever go back to it if you feel like you right. If you're not a you can unretire it or whatever. But uh, I guess I don't mind that as much because I think it was a. Uh, pretty wild to begin with i think it's just cool that they had that song uh you know associated with them in the run last year but you're right it's but and it's good to go out on a high note it is yep can't argue with that (laughs) uh the pacific division i you know the sharks are off to a very slow start that's a little discouraging uh hockey in the in socal is going to be awful this year so you're really looking at vegas uh Edmonton. I don't understand what Calgary is or how they're so good. Um, I, I guess I'm a novice when it comes to them. Arizona, people think that they might be able to take a little bit of a jump. Vancouver's kind of out there. We're all kind of waiting for Connor McDavid and Edmonton to really take that next step. Uh, yeah. But but really, this appears to be Vegas's division to lose. Yeah, it is the division where you just, you just got an entire lot of central where there's Realistically, every team in the division could could make the playoffs um, if if the right things happen. And then you turn to the Pacific, and you're like, well, you have to pick three teams 
out of this division. Right. They have to go to the playoffs. So, um, I think, uh, like you said, Vegas is the favorite in this division. Um, a lot of people are looking at Vancouver as maybe a trendy team to make the playoffs. Um, and I agree that Calgary is going to be in the mix. Um, I would tend to agree with you that California, uh, for the most part, will be Shut limited. Uh, you've yeah. got San Jose, which is, has beaten down the door, and now we've got the news that Patrick Marlowe uh, is close to returning. He's 40 years old, so I don't know what kind of uh, you know big-time piece he's going to be. Yep. Uh, we all do look at Edmonton. You're, you're exactly right. Um, they bring in Dave Tippett, new coach. Um, a guy who's got some some pedigree, um, so I watch uh, watch them very closely. Um, I would, I just I have a hard time believing that they can be as bad as they've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is Edmonton. I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on the side of Connor McDavid. This is a team that somehow figures out figures out a way to get, me, get to the playoffs. I believe I've picked uh, Vegas, Calgary, and San Jose out of the Pacific. Nashville, Colorado, and Dallas out of the or in St. Louis out of the cent, out of the uh, the Central Division and who are my wild cards? I think Dallas for one, and I, I want to pick Edmonton, but I've been kind of burned by them here a little bit. So I think I've gone with Winnipeg, though I think it's really a, a toss-up: Winnipeg or Edmonton at this point. Yeah, I will say uh, Vegas, my my division winner in the Pacific, uh, Vancouver, and I'll I'll put Edmonton in there. Um, in the Central, give me Nashville to win the division, Colorado, and uh, St. Louis. Two wild cards. I like. Uh, let's see, Dallas and Minnesota. Let's just go with that. Very good, very good. On the East, uh, this. Uh, I think is going to be a very, very fun conference to look at because you have some new blood, some new teams in there. The Carolina Hurricanes are just tearing it up. It's like a hurricane's gone through that whole Eastern Conference there. Uh, Oh, boy. uh, I know. I'm sorry. The puns are just flowing out tonight. Um, But this is a really good team. They're very entertaining. You saw some of the pieces that they had in place, and they have a lot of young talent. But this Hurricanes team, they're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. The, the, the Lightning are the, the cream of the crop in the East, but this Carolina Hurricanes team can certainly push them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you look at the guys, I'm looking at the uh, last night, you got uh, Eric Stahl, right, still on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Daniel Teravainen, had a goal last night. Dougie Hamilton, a young guy who's been coming up, he's got two goals already. Um, and then Sebastian Ajo had the game winner with you know about 90 seconds left last night. So, uh, you know, Great young players. Sebastian Ajo just blew up last year on Meteorite's uh, line. So, um, you know, tremendous young talent. I, I do kind of look at their division and say, you know, I like them to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the Metropolitan, which has a little bit of life in it. Like you said, you've got the Rangers. They got Artemi Panarin, biggest free agent signing of the uh, the offseason. You also got the Rangers got Capo Caco, uh, who, if you paid any attention to hockey Twitter, uh, over the last, you know, 12 months, he's been blowing it up, all these highlight goals. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's exciting. You look at the Devils, Jack Hughes uh, coming up, you know, first overall pick. It was him and Capo Caco. So he's exciting. Suban, they have Suban and, uh, and uh, Hall yeah, as well. Suban, yeah, they had Suban. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be good. Uh, 
the Islanders are contenders. Washington, I mean, hard to really count them out. So that's a great division. Oh, oh, you know, you almost look at it almost rivals uh, what the Central's got going on. So really exciting uh, yep. division to keep an eye on. Yep, and ultimately you're going to have a good team that's not going to make the playoffs out of there. Uh, I mean, the Atlantic division is a. Uh, pretty much a, a desolate wasteland because you have the two worst teams in hockey Ottawa and Detroit in there uh, I'm waiting for Buffalo to, the, Buffalo is kind of like the Edmonton of the East you're waiting for them to take that next step will it happen Jack Eichel you know he, he's a great player but can he finally push them over the top uh, Tampa Bay's the, the the clear winner in this division to me I like Florida uh, because of Joel Quenville being down there and they get Sergey uh, Brabovsky, so that's big. Boston's been outstanding so far to start the year. So I mean, it's those three teams and everyone else in the Atlantic, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, you got to put Toronto in there. A lot of yes, people, yep. Uh, with with Mitch Marner and all these contracts and what they're going to do to fit everybody in, and uh, they're just kind of um, they're just dr- drama. You know, to, tons of drama, drama to watch with. With Toronto, Boston is, is going to be a playoff team. Um, Tampa Bay, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep them up high until um, the end of time, I guess, or until the team disintegrates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just hard to argue with the type of talent they do have. I agree with you on Florida. I'm going to be interested to see what kind of Joel Cornwall we have coaching there, where, you know, what sort of demeanor is there. You know, Bobrovsky, obviously, a guy who got that hat with contracts, so. I'm, I'm interested to see that as well. So I'm a little bit more uh, cold on Florida. I think they'll be a good team, but not sure they're going to rock it uh, up the standings too far. So in the east, uh, in the in the Atlantic, I have Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston as the top three that get in automatically. The Metropolitan, I have Washington because they have Alex Ovechkin, so you have to consider them factor them in there carolina and new jersey as the three guaranteed my wild cards here's where it gets interesting because you're going to leave some team out i'm going to put florida in uh the rangers look impressive right away i think maybe they're a year away from full contention give me the islanders because barry trotz did a hell of a job last year uh, and we thought they were going to be bad you know no john tavares and anything I'm going to just take a flyer on the Islanders. Uh, if if we were going by mascot alone, I'd take Philadelphia and take Gritty. Uh, which, by the way, happy birthday to Gritty uh, a couple did weeks you, late. Did you, did you see the, uh, the signage? Uh, we're, we're taping this on Wednesday. Did yep. you see the signage tonight? I did not, no. So we had, let me see if I can pull it up real fast here. We had uh, the Flyers, and uh, they're hosting... New Jersey, and we've got a photo of P.K. Suman standing in front of Gritty. Gritty's behind the glass, and Gritty's got a sign that said, Lindsay can do better, and he's got the sign is pointing towards Gritty, uh, <laughs> uh, alluding to the fact that uh, Gritty would be a better fit for Lindsay Vaughn. Oh, man. That is, uh, that's fantastic. Gritty is uh, the best uh, mascot out there right now. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at GrittyNHL. I am pulling it up now, and yes, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a that's a fantastic photo. But you know what? I might be dead wrong with the Islanders, but after Barry Trotz, what he did last year, I'll take a I'll take a chance on on them. So give me them and Florida for my wild card. So I'm leaving Pittsburgh out because I think eventually, you know, Sidney Crosby as good as he is, Evgeny Malkin, that's fine. But 
injuries, I think, are injuries. Maybe you know, a concussion might start to catch up to Sidney Crosby if he or he gets one. He might be out for an extended period of time. I just I'm not as big on Pittsburgh this year uh, as a lot of people are. I think. Yeah, and that's that's putting yourself out on a limb again with the uh, the playoff pedigree. But I, I yep. like to take some risks. Uh, we all know that we won't remember this uh, when the playoffs come around anyway. Exactly. So, we'll um, remember who I, we picked for the Stanley Cup. We won't remember who else we picked for the playoffs. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, I agree with seeing three teams on the uh, the Atlantic Division. I like Boston. I like Toronto. And I like Tampa Bay. Um, Metropolitan Division, give me, give me Washington and Carolina like you did. I will have Pittsburgh among those top three there. And then for the wild cards, I'm going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to say that the Rangers are one of the wild card teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and give me, yeah, who do I want to be that eighth team? I'm going to say it's going to be New Jersey. Um, I'm going to say the teams with the top two picks are uh, are in the playoffs this year. So. Wouldn't that be something to see New Jersey and New York play in the first round of the playoffs too? That'd be great. I mean, that would be uh, that'd be pretty wild. It would be great to see the Wild in there as well. Uh, St- <laughs> Stanley Cup final. Um, I have I have Colorado versus Vegas in the Western Conference final, and I have Tampa versus uh, Washington in the Eastern Conference final. I have Tampa, Colorado, Stanley Cup final. I should probably take Vegas, but I I will go with Colorado. But I have Tampa, uh, a regs to riches story. It's kind of like the, they're they're going to be the Virginia of uh, yes. of the NHL this year. They are going to go from getting bounced and swept in the first round to winning it all this year. I love that stack, and mainly because I've got a very similar uh, Stanley Cup final, and I do like uh, the Lightning to win the entire thing. Um, I like the idea of Colorado and Vegas in the uh, in the uh, in the Western West. final. Give me give me Vegas, but I'm gonna have them against Nashville uh, repeat from uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and then uh, in the East, give me Washington and Tampa Bay, and uh, I do like the Bolts and Nashville to play each other the uh, Southern Charm mm-hmm. uh, type series, and I will take uh, the Bolts to win the whole thing. We have been very similar on picks in recent years. Uh, I remember, I think we both had Edmonton in the Stanley Cup and a couple it, it years ago. It didn't do us a damn, uh, damn, damn bit of good. It, it so. didn't. It didn't. Uh, so hopefully we did not jinx the Lightning or the, the Capitals or the, the Knights. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like the Lightning can really be jinxed any more than they already have. Been. Well, that's <laughs> you know, given that you uh, you were the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing and you didn't win a single playoff game. I mean, that that sets the table for uh, for some sort of bounce back in years to come. I think. And dare I say, Lightning will not strike twice again. They will not Look get swept in the first stack round. Stacking <laughs> with the puns tonight. Oh boy, so good to talk hockey with you, my friend. Uh, we'll be talking about it throughout the the season and definitely come playoff time. But uh, appreciate the time as always, my, uh, Marcus, and we'll we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic. Kind enough to join us. Uh, fantastic. Uh, always appreciate his time. And there you go. He likes the lightning. We both like the lightning to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, and hopefully that comes to fruition. They got swept by Columbus last year. Uh, Columbus is going to be bad this year. Very bad. He is the Wild in the playoffs. I don't. 
I hope like hell they're in, but uh, something tells me that won't be the case. Uh, but great talking hockey with Marcus. Uh, you'll hear him for sure on our playoff coverage here come April. Uh, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll chat with him a couple times before then. Well, let's, uh, um, with that, uh, we'll probably finish up the show with some picks for week six in the NFL here on the Sports Block Podcast. Let's wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at week five in the NFL and make some early picks for week six. Uh, so let's start. Uh, Ram Seahawks, did you have dish and not be able to see this game? Yeah, me too. It was a good one, though. Seattle wins 30-29 to over the L.A. Rams. The pass from Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett. I believe it was the first touchdown for the Seahawks of the game. Unbelievable throw. Greg Zerline misses a field goal at the end, a 44-yarder that just missed, like six inches outside of the right upright. Would have won it for the Rams, but as a result, Seahawks win 30-29. They improve to 4-1, while the Rams drop their second straight. On Sunday, the Patriots steamrolled over Washington 33-7. Washington did score the first touchdown, and then Tom Brady and company said, yeah, enough of this. Patriots roll. Bills win a tough one over the Titans, and by tough one, I mean a tough one to watch. 14-7, defensive struggle for sure. Cairo Santos, Titans kicker, missed four field goals. Three of them legit, and then one blocked. He no longer has a job. Bills, 3-0 on the road, and and 4-1 overall. Tough scene in Pittsburgh where Mason Rudolph got knocked unconscious. uh, On a hit by Earl Thomas, it was not a vicious hit by any stretch. But the Ravens, uh, but you know the Steelers quarterback has to leave the game. A rookie comes in. Uh, Baltimore Lamar Jackson didn't play his best game. Justin Tucker, thank the Lord for him. He had four field goals and helped the Ravens uh, in overtime with a 26-23 win. His game-tying field goal looked like it was drifting left. No, no, it was the the overtime field goal looked like it was drifting left. Snuck right back in the uh, upright, and the Ravens win 26-23. Eagles no match for the Jets. Thirty or the Jets were no match for the either. The Eagles thumped the Jets thirty-one to six. The Jets' offense is abysmal. Uh, the Eagles' offense wasn't great, but the defense was fantastic. A couple defensive scores here for the Eagles in this one. Ten sacks, the most in game since Week Three, two thousand seven. London was treated to a great game. The Oakland Raiders beat the Chicago Bears twenty-four twenty-one. Jumped out to a seventeen nothing lead. The Bears rattle off twenty-one unanswered points. Raiders come back, score a game-winning touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Josh Jacobs, rookie running back, one hundred and forty-plus uh, scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. First running back to do that against the Bears since twenty thirteen. Minnesota Vikings, a lot of turmoil throughout the week. Stephon Diggs may or may not have wanted to be traded. Adam Thielen uh, called out Kirk Cousins and the coaching staff. I think it was more the coaching staff uh, than Kirk Cousins had the Adam Thielen on the podcast. A kumbaya moment. Uh, Adam Thielen, seven receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Delvin Cook over 200 yards from scrimmage, and the Vikings uh, thumped the Giants 28-10. Kirk Cousins, 22 of 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns. New Orleans Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-24. Teddy Bridgewater, best game as a Saint. Four touchdowns over 300 yards through the air. And the, the Saints beat Tampa Bay. Houston Texans all annihilated the Atlanta Falcons. They had one three and out to begin the game. And then from there, Deshaun Watson went off. Will Fuller, the fifth, ugh, over 200 yards receiving and a score. 
and the Texans win 53-32. The Falcons continue to be the most disappointing team in the NFL. In the battle of the winless teams, the Cardinals upend the Bengals 26-23. Kyler Murray leads the Cardinals on a a late drive, gets a game-winning field goal. He ran it uh, well on that drive, threw it as well. The Cardinals win 26-23, improved 1-3-1 on the year. Bengals 0-5. What a game in Carolina and Charlotte. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 237 yards from scrimmage, uh, two or three touchdowns. He outdueled Gardner Minshew, the mustache, the Minshew magic. Carolina wins 34-27 in an epic game. Jacksonville had a chance at the end, couldn't quite get it done. They win th- uh, the Panthers win their third straight. Oh, let's see. All oh, the the Denver Broncos are in their first win of the year again in a bit in abysmal performance by the Los Angeles Chargers offensively. They were absolutely terrible. Broncos win 20-13. to It was Melvin Gordon's first game back. He had 30-some yards rushing. It was basically a non-factor in this one. Guaranteed the Chargers play better this week. Aaron Jones, have yourself a day. Four rushing touchdowns for the Packers running back. And he was the main reason why the Packers beat the Cowboys 34-24. to They were up 31-3 to at one point. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper did their best to get the Cowboys back in it, but... Too many turnovers, and the Packers improved to 4-1. Stunner of the weekend, stunner of the year. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, shorthanded on defense, managed to hold Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to 13 points and beat Kansas City 19-13. It was an amazing performance by the defense, who lost several guys. Uh, the Chiefs also lost a, a few guys due to injury, and Patrick Mahomes hurt his ankle as well. So, uh, obviously that that had an effect on the Chiefs in this one. And then Monday night, the 49ers dump truck the Browns 31-3, embarrassed them. 4-0 is the 49ers' record. First time they've been 4-0 since 1990. Uh, Matt Breida took the first play from scrimmage for the 49ers on offense. 83 yards to the house. Uh, interception in the end zone negated a or really turned this game around and would have made it 14 10 for the 49 or the browns would have only been trailing 14 to 10 but as a result 49ers just killed cleveland 31 3 detroit and miami had buys week six begins this thursday night it's the new york giants against the new england patriots 8 20 p.m eastern 7 20 p.m central time on fox and the nfl network uh, no Saquon Barkley, no Evan Ingram, no Sterling Shepard, no no uh, uh, Wayne Gallman. How how is Daniel Jones supposed to do anything for the Giants? There there's not. The Patriots will roll in this one. London gets their second straight game. It's the Carolina Panthers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 9:30 a.m. Eastern, 8:30 a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. Uh. I don't see the Buccaneers stopping Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey express rolls into London, and the Panthers get the win. Battle of the winless teams here. Washington at Miami, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Unfortunately, this game has to be televised. I don't even want to pick this game. This game is trash. This game's garbage. Why do people think Washington's going to win? Like it's a slam dunk. Josh Rosen starting for Miami. <sighs> I'll go Washington reluctantly, but uh, no conf- uh, one confidence point on this one. Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Deshaun Watson, fantastic last week against Atlanta. Chiefs defense isn't great. 
How, what is the health of Patrick Mahomes and his ankle? That's a big key. Uh, the Chiefs will have a few injuries on defense. So high-scoring affair. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs. New Orleans Saints at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. I think the Jaguars' defense uh, can stop or slow down Teddy Bridgewater. Leonard Fournette could have a big game. But how do you not pick the Saints in this one? I hope, it, I hope Minshew Magic leads the Jaguars to a victory, but I'll take the Saints narrowly. Seattle Seahawks at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Browns have gone every other, every other. Uh, the alternating losses and wins. It's time for a win. I don't think Seattle's quite as good as everyone says they are. I'll take the Browns in this one. Perhaps that's dumb. Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Like the, the Patriots-Giants game, I don't know how the Bengals win this game. Baltimore's just too strong. Give me the give me Baltimore. San Francisco at uh, the oh, and then uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. I'll take the Vikings in this one. It'll be a tough game, but doesn't sound like Deshaun Jackson is going to play in this one. That benefits the Vikings. Anderson Deho, former Vikings safety, now with the Eagles, will be able to give the Eagles a few tips, but. I think I will take the Vikings in this one. San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Almost a must-win for the Rams. The 49ers are hot, but the Rams have had a few extra days to prepare. That defense, a little extra salty after the last couple weeks. Give me the Rams over the 49ers. Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This is another garbage game. I don't know why I would want uh, to take the Falcons in this one. I think the Cardinals may end up being better, but I will take a flyer on Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Dallas Cowboys at the New York Jets, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The Jets are a terrible team. I don't care if Sam Darnold is starting or not. The Cowboys beat bad teams. They don't beat the good teams. The Cowboys win this one. Tennessee Titans at the Denver Broncos, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The Titans win the games that they shouldn't win and lose the games they should. This is a game they should win, therefore taking Denver. Not high in the confidence points, though. L.A. Chargers at the Pittsburgh, or hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Rookie quarterback from Samford is starting, most likely for the Steelers, because Mason Rudolph will be in concussion protocol. Chargers looked bad last week. They rebound here. I'll take the Chargers. And then Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Both teams with only one loss. 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time. ESPN Monday Night Football. Be interesting to see the Lions win. But I'll take the Packers to get by. Uh, what should be a very good game. And those are your Week 6 picks. For official picks and predictions, go to the stack. Stackattack.sportsblog.com on Fridays. The Football Friday post previews and predictions for all of the games. Uh, so I want to thank Charlie and Travis and Marcus uh, for joining me this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast next week. Uh, we'll be back with Travis uh, for more sports talk, more baseball playoffs, more college football, NFL, and uh, we'll see if the NBA continues to screw up with China. Uh, again, podcast can be found on podcast.com. Also, follow me on Twitter at NDStacken, Travis Krins at Travis Krins, Charlie Hildebrand at C.E. Hildebrand, um, I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll wait with the, the Twitter handle. I'm sure that'll change since Charlie's going to get a new job. Marcus Traxler, at Marcus Traxler. Facebook, Nathan Stack, and the link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. 
Thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed all the guests. We'll be hearing from Charlie certainly more throughout the weeks and Marcus with the hockey season as well. Uh, So thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week. Survive the big blizzard if you're in the Dakotas and western Minnesota. And we'll be back next week to talk more sports on the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.